Tonight on the GameCritics.com podcast, we talk about scary games and The Walking Dead Episode 4. The GameCritics.com podcast starts right now. Welcome to the GameCritics.com podcast. I'm Dylan Collins. This is episode 81. And with me, I have Chi Kong Liu. Hi, Chi. Hey, what's up, everybody? What's up? How are you doing? Good, good. I like this. I think I, think, I, think I stole uh, Brad's opening. <laughs> I don't know why I do that sometimes. <laughs> well, Brad is here. Brad, you have to come up with a new opening now. Um, I'm going to say greetings, everybody. Thank you. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> Richard Nyack is here as well. Hi, Richard. Hi there, Dylan. <laughs> it's so weird. I can't get used to you not saying either greetings, every people's or hey. I only did hey once. Uh, yeah. Twice. It I was twice and I was twice. getting to like it. Well, so, well, okay. Well, just, just once more, you know, for the road. Hey. <laughs> yes. I like that you had to build into it. That makes me happy. Um, Mike is not here. Brad's going to read a statement from him in a second. But in his stead, one of our favorite guests on the GameCritics.com podcast, the U.S. news editor for Eurogamer, Jeffrey Malif, is here. Hi, Jeffrey. Hey, Dylan. How's it going? I'm fantastic. How are you? Doing well. Good. Doing Good. Well. Glad to have you on the show. Today we're going to talk about – it's the Mike Brackenless Scary Games episode. So – I think now would be a good time to read Mike's statement. So he's here in spirit. Okay. All right, great. So I, I, I talked to Mike earlier uh, today over Twitter. Just so the, the listeners know, this was his uh, birthday weekend, which is why he couldn't be here. It's really unfortunate that uh, on the show so close to Halloween that he's not around. But I'll go ahead and uh, read a letter that he sent in, and uh, I guess that'll you know make up for him not being here tonight. Uh, okay, so here is the the letter that Mike uh, sent over. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read it verbatim, and hopefully, uh, you know, that'll be entertaining, as Bracken always is. Um, Hello to my fellow critics and to all the listeners. I'm sorry I couldn't be with you tonight, but as you may or may not know, this weekend is my birthday, and I am currently in the midst of a celebration. I got a great deal on a flight to Thailand on a sex tourism package deal, so in honor of my 50th birthday, I couldn't say no. Anyway, since I'm hitting this lifetime milestone, I decided that I can no longer live a lie. It's time to stop all the falsehoods and deception and be who I am. Uh, he <laughs> continues on here. Uh, for starters, I never grinded all those hours and all those RPGs that I said I did. I actually paid people to farm gold and experience for me, and I looked up details on game facts to make my story sound credible. Uh, another <laughs> thing that's not true about me is that I actually don't like horror movies. I get frightened very easily, and the scariest thing I've seen in a while... Uh, was one of these recent mornings when Kathy Lee Gifford forgot to do her makeup on the Today Show. <laughs> I only said that I liked it uh, because it sounded cool and I wanted to pick up on chicks. Uh, I regret that now. And in fact, giallo isn't even a genre of Italian film. It's just some bullshit word I made up to sound smart. <laughs> Finally, I'm I not it. really a sports fan. I bought a few jerseys to fit in with the crowd, but I really don't know anything about bunting field goals or getting a triple crown in hockey. In truth, I was too, uh, too embarrassed to admit that I'm a world-class crocheter and that I make the neatest sweaters you've ever seen. In closing, I wanted to apologize for all these years of being untruthful, and now that I'm in my uh, 
my golden age. I'm looking forward to being who I truly am. Also, Brad is my favorite game critic of all time, and everything he's ever written is pretty awesome. Love the sweater geek. <laughs> that actually scared the hell out of me for like five seconds. Just the, the thought of maybe this could be true. Just like rock no, my this world. Is legit, yeah, the dude, send, it Brad, over. <laughs> send it over. The thought of Brad Galloway being his favorite critic. Yeah. What's it's that? Terrifying. <laughs> Nothing funny about that. It's, it's a truth. Did he crochet the hat that you're wearing in your Skype picture, Brad? He made that for me. Isn't that yeah, great? I can see. I can see his workmanship. Yeah. Kudos to him for 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 just putting all that deception aside and and, and coming. Yeah, happy home, birthday. So. We Come hope in. you enjoy your sex tour. Happy birthday, Mike. <laughs> I hope that part's true. <laughs> that, that's, that part that is true. Yes. Totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear God. That's the only reason why. That's the only legitimate excuse for not being on the podcast. Sex tour. Because we've had other guests be on our show on their birthdays. Guests, mind you. I think Richard's Very done the show on his birthday, haven't you, Richard? Um, yeah, actually, I did last year. So, so there you go. But you didn't have a sex tour to go to, so. No, I didn't. Unfortunately, it's okay. No, they they, they actually they they've actually banned those in Missouri, so I can't. <laughs> we we don't have. Them. <laughs> We're going to talk a lot later about The Walking Dead Episode 4, so I'm excited about that. But before that, we're just going to name drop some scary games. It's hard to do without Mike here, but we're going to try. For Mike. For Mike. Um, Chi, I know you've been playing uh, – well, you, had, you had a reason why you don't like scary games in general, right? Yeah, this is kind of my, my long-winded excuse as to why I don't play scary games. And it's sort of hopefully – it'll be interesting enough to sort of make up for the absence of, of Bracken on the show to some extent. And this, still, this, dates, this dates me back to uh, the original uh, Doom game. Um, you know, obviously, as everyone, you know, who played PC games back in the day, Doom was like the shit, right? I mean, that just, you know, blew open the doors for, for PC gaming. And I remember, like, a couple one night in or not, not, not in particular, but I remember there were some nights when I would be playing it late into the night. And you know how there were like there's stages where like the lights would be busted mm-hmm. and it'd be like blinking and I'd be walking through the corridors <laughs> and, and it would, I would just get like so suck in, sucked into that game, especially in those type of stages. And it really like by the time I was by the time I was done and or I died in the stage, I, I, I literally was like my heart was pounding. I was like sweating I was like literally felt like I was having a heart attack. I, I was scared out of scared, like witless. And after that, I realized I, I can't play these games because I just it wasn't a very pleasant experience. I, I, thankfully, I had a good friend, a neighbor of mine who really loved Doom as well, and he'd come over and I'd, I'd have to play it with him. And that's like sort of been my mo after that. But anytime I play scary games, I have to have like a friend side by side with me so I don't sort of fall into this like <laughs> petrified state that I just like <laughs> I can't I can't deal with after the fact you know I'm like a total mess afterwards and to sort of reaffirm how that that feeling very recently I played this flash game that I think it's also probably on PC as well or uh, you know it's a, a small indie game from the guys who, that did slender man or the guy the guy rather that did slender man uh where am I and I didn't know it was by that guy at first because it was just recommended by um, by our, our friend uh, Aaron from uh, the Game Enthused podcast. And I started playing it, not knowing into anything into it, but it very, I very quickly realized that this was a you know a, a little horror game, and it, it really messed with your senses. It, it, it it's like this whole first person, uh, you know. Um, first person i don't know you're walking through quarters i can't really describe it. like it's not because it's not a shooter but it's this very ambient experience and it just 
you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to see and it becomes harder and harder to see. And then it's like little flashes and things like that. And it, you know, it's, it's like sort of the interactive version of um, the Blair Witch Project in, in some ways. And yeah, I, I couldn't even, I, and it was like probably five to 10 minutes and I couldn't even get to the end of that. Cause I just started freaking out <laughs> like halfway through. I was like, you know, this, I know what's going to happen and I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to subject myself to that. <laughs> so I stopped playing. I couldn't even finish like this little flash game. So that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of like my history of horror games in a nutshell. Is it one of those things where images just flash on the screen and loud noises and whatnot? No, it's, it's not, it's not like that. It's more like the, you know, and I don't want to spoil it cause that kind of yeah. like takes away the whole thing as well. But, um, it's, it's more like I said, more like a, a corridor thing where you're sort of just walking in a first person's perspective and it just really messes with your senses. And I, and like I said, I hesitate to say even more than that at this it point. Sounds interesting at least. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you can play it for free. So, you know, and, and like I said, and, and I don't know, some people, some, I don't know if Slender Man, when I look at the, the user reviews, it gets mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things, either you love it or you hate it. But if you're sort of into horror stuff and you, you know, you don't mind paying 90, cause I think uh, uh, Slender Man recently got released on iPad and iOS, probably for like 99 cents, but you probably probably play it free on the PC. But if you like that sort of indie thing, you know, you might want to give, you know, two of those things a try. It's also it also harkens back. To, I don't know if you guys ever like got got a link to the scary website where it, like it, you know it, you, it was like you look you, you click through some panels and then of course at the la- the last panel it, it, it like jump scared yeah. you. I yeah, I hate those. <laughs> I know I, I can't stand those. I know. Jeff, you've played this, right? I have played it. I know I was a little disappointed in that one because it, it's only about five minutes long. I think that the game's on a timer as you're playing it and everything just looks grainier and grainier and I think there might have been some kind of sound too. So like. It gets creepy, but, you know, at the end of it, something, I think something scary was happening, but I was looking the other direction, so I didn't actually see the scary thing. <laughs> so, so it just, like, ended abruptly, and, you know, Slender was much better. And by the way, it's Wait, just like called... you look back and, like, credits were rolling or something? Like, you totally missed, like, the whole, the whole end? <laughs> yeah, like, it, it, like, I'm sure it is just a jump scare thing, because, like, literally, like, I heard some sound, like a scream or something, like... There was a surprising sound, but I didn't see anything, and it just went to black. And I'm like, <laughs> I guess the sound was kind of unnerving, but yeah, and that, that was something Slender did really well, because the concept of that game, which I'm sure everyone knows by now, is that you you can't look at the creature. You know, if you look at it for more than a second, like, that's how you get a game over. Well, what, why don't you break that down for, for folks that yeah, I've actually, really explained I've not yeah, actually I played really it. Explained it. Oh, yeah, so that, the idea is that um, you're looking for these eight pages. The full name of the game is, is called Slender, the eight pages. Okay. But you're, there's no real story or anything to it. You're just in this dark forest with a flashlight that you can turn on or off. And, yeah, you just have to collect, you know, eight notes that have, like, little creepy doodles on them. And there's this creature who basically just looks like a, a man in a suit with a, a completely white face and long arms, as the title implies, it's, a tall, thin fellow, and um, but basically, you you know, if you look at him for you know more than a second, you 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 know, I, I won't say exactly how you get a game over, but yeah, you you get a game over in a sense. So basically, whenever you see him, you kind of freak out and start running the other way. So it's like it really scared me the first couple times I played it. I know that. You know, like when Richard was talking about Amnesia a long time ago, he had a, a friend who was playing it 
who like once you understand some some of the ways the AI functions or something, there are ways around it. But if you don't know like how that works, it, it can be really, really scary. Yeah. So, and, and as far as amnesia goes, there's also places, there are also places in the game where the, the game is just kind of playing tricks on you and there's actually no danger at all. And it's mm-hmm. one of the best things about it actually, because it's totally like every, all of the, the threat is in your head. Like the game isn't even doing anything to you. Oh god, the I, I mean we'll talk about amnesia in a sec. Can yeah. we switch to amnesia now, or do we have more to say about Slender? Yeah, we can talk about amnesia a little bit. I I, I enjoyed last time Richard talked about it. Uh, it was before I was hosting. That was one of my favorite episodes <laughs> to hear about Richard yeah. spilling his wine or or almost and the cat attacking him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't spill my wine. Uh, the cat did attack okay. me though. I that was a I enjoyed listening to that. So uh, yeah, let's but, talk about amnesia because I haven't played that either. Uh, sure, Jeffrey. Do you wanna do you wanna start it? Oh, sure. It was just you were talking about how there are those times where the game kind of plays tricks on you and you think there's something scary there, but there isn't. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, you know, I found the game pretty pretty scary. But there, the, the times when it's scariest are... There were two times in particular. One is I'd gone for, I can't remember how long, hour, hour and a half, and I hadn't encountered a creature yet. So I'd really let my guard down because I'm like, okay, this this game's all fake scares. You know, I'm sure eventually something's going to show up, but... You know, so far it's all just noises, and 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 then one time I just opened a door, and the creature was just like right behind it, and I totally freaked mm-hmm. out. And there's another time too. Yeah, um, there's and then there's that sound that plays when you when you like a creature sees you. It's like the yeah. There's another time. I don't want to spoil it late in the game, but you know, it was another time where like they kind of build up to something, and then you get to that thing. And there's nothing there, so it's like, okay, I'm good, and I just nonchalantly, like, turned back to go down the hall, and it was, like, the one time I, j- like, literally jumped away from my computer monitor, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, yeah. obviously I got a game over. Yeah, it is, as far as amnesia goes, I mean, it's, it's including, like, you know, sort of, like, the, you know, the jump shock kind of mm-hmm. scary, amnesia also has this, and I can't really describe it in detail without giving a whole bunch of stuff away, but it also has this just like that deep seething fear. It's like you see it coming, but it's just so guck. It's just something you're, you're terrified when you're, you're looking at it and you're thinking about it. And then afterwards it's like, I, I don't know. It's just something that you will remember that I still remember from that game, even though I haven't played it in like, uh, what was it like a year and a half ago or two years or whenever, whenever it was that I played it. Cause it's like, it's something that the game the game uses your mind to construct this really or several really terrifying scenes and what your imagination comes up is way scarier than anything a game can throw throw at you for me that's what's cool about horror is a lot of it is in your mind and like the doom graphics for instance they weren't you know for the time they were good graphics but now you look back and they're not that strong graphics but it was mostly in your mind and it it worries me now that we're getting into like photorealism and stuff that they're going to forego all that stuff and just try to put it on the screen and it's not going to be as scary. Yeah. Well, isn't that one of the tenets of horror? I mean, I'm sure if Mike was here, he'd be able to name yeah. off a million directors, whoever, who believe that. But I mean, it seems to me like the thing that makes scary games scary is the not knowing because exactly like you guys said, each person comes up with something that's way scarier for them personally than anything that a developer could come up with. I mean, we've all seen the drippy zombies and the, the spider monsters with too many arms and you know whatever like the generic horror stuff that you see 
But, you know, when you only hear those sounds or when you're not sure if something's really there, I mean, your brain just kind of just it like kind of turns on you and you come up with all these things that are just, you know, like no developer could ever really capture yeah. the internal horror that you, you, you voiced upon yourself. So I think I think that's really what all the best scary games have in common is that they kind of just they keep you hanging in that suspense for so long without really showing you too much. And that's what's the, that's the scary thing. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. I've only ever played like I think one Silent Hill game. I didn't play that much of it. And I don't remember which one it was, but it also had a function where if you were near a supernatural creature, a noise would go off. And that noise is so fucking scary, much scarier than anything else, because you know something's coming, but you don't know what it is. So I think that's a cool feature of a lot of horror games, or at least the good yeah. ones. Most of the games we've been discussing are, are based on visuals, mm-hmm. or at least really dim lighting. Because the funny thing about Slender is that the actual creature, if you look at screenshots, it's this really like very bland-looking model. It's like cartoonishly fake-looking. <laughs> but... The idea is that you don't really see it because you're you're in this forest. You mostly just see like a silhouette, and because it, it's all you know tree trunks and everything, your mind kind of plays tricks on you, and you're like, "Wait, is that something there? Oh no, that's just a branch." <laughs> and same with you know same with amnesia because the game is very dim. Um, yeah. But there are some games though that I think it's an interesting challenge when games try to be scary without doing that. Like one game that I admittedly haven't played but i i watched some youtube videos of like the first couple hours was silent hill 4 Mm -hmm. and silent hill 4 is really interesting because it it looked like the scariest least fun game that i could imagine (laughs) because it like i have like no desire to play it or i have some desire to play it just like out of curiosity but it didn't look fun at all but it like relative to other Silent Hill games, because it actually was not conceived as a Silent Hill game, uh-huh. um, is it? It's much brighter. Like most of the areas are fairly well lit and just kind of th- this muted gray. But I think that it looked scary because the design looked kind of irritating and stressful. Like there are these ghosts that can go through walls and they harm you just by being around you. So in those and the camera is really, you know, irritating and has all these odd angles. You have to run around and collect things. And I'm just like, man, if I were playing this, I would just be so stressed and just, you know, I probably wouldn't get through it because I'd be like, ah, I'm getting damaged too much. I'm using too many of my health packs. Like I, I would get too too worried that I was like fucking up my game somehow. Yeah. But you know, I think that there. Are, you know, maybe it, it's not right for me, but I totally appreciate that, you know, really great sense of unease that a game can do without having to be, like, dark or have, like, tentacly monsters. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want a game that physically affects me. That's why I don't play Connect games, because I'm lazy. But if, if it gets into my head emotionally, I like that kind of thing. Brad, you, what about you? What uh, what have you been playing that's scary, or can you think of anything that... Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I think is actually pretty scary. I mean, um, just to kind of go off topic for a second here. I mean, to me, the, this currently the scariest thing that, like, haunts me every day and keeps me up at night is growing old in the United States without uh, having health care. <laughs> super, super scary. It's something that I'm facing right now, and I do. It's the scariest fucking thing ever. Because every time you get a lump, you're like, oh, fuck, it's cancer, and I don't have any health care. Or, you know... You start, you know, something something creaks the wrong way, and you're like, oh, God, I can't get that fixed. I hope I don't get sick. I hope I don't fall down. hope I don't this, that, or the other thing. So that is really scary. That's scarier than anything the game industry can throw at me. Um, but kind of bringing it back to games, 
Um, something I've actually experienced twice this year as a reviewer, the scariest thing that I can think of is having to restart a review game after getting a far way into it. Uh. I don't like replaying games, and it's just like it's horrible. I mean, earlier this year I played uh, Risen 2, which actually is a really good game. It's a really flawed game, but a really good game. And I had to restart because I got just totally screwed about maybe 15 hours into it. And recently, more recent than that, um, I'm still working on the review for XCOM Enemy Unknown, which um, is an okay game. I don't think it's really all that. I don't think it's as good as people say it is. Uh, but I put 10 hours into that, and I got so screwed with money. I was totally broke, and I'm like, if I keep going on this way, I'm not going to be able to even finish the game for the review, so I just started start over. And to throw away 10 hours to me is, like, completely fucking frightening. Yeah. I, I just, it's awful, it's awful, awful. But, Do you not um, feel that you're qualified to review it if you've played it for that long? Like, I don't know how um, long the game is, but... Just, well, just, if like just it. 10 hours, no. I would have to put in more for XCOM specifically. I mean, it varies by game to game, but at Game Critics, we definitely try to finish uh, as many games as possible when we review them. So, um, you know, we've put in crazy amounts of time on games that deserve it. Um, if there's something that is, like, a piece of shit, we don't bother. But, you know, if it's something that's good, we definitely try. And for XCOM... Uh, my review is almost done, and I have a feeling I'm going to get like a lot of email on it. So I really wanted to make sure that I could cover all the bases and speak to the whole game. Yeah, I've seen people. I've seen people go. You, sure. you stopped right before it got to the good part. Whenever you guys oh, review something yeah. negatively, so you, you didn't you didn't get to the end. You didn't get to the good yeah. part. You, you can't talk because you didn't see how things changed at the end. You were playing it wrong. Blah 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 blah. You suck at games. <laughs> so I wanted to at least you know I I had to see more of it before I talk. But anyway. We're getting kind of in the weeds on this one, but something that I think really scared me. I mean, there's a lot of things we could probably name check. I mean, um, for me, like the scariest thing in my early days was probably when the dogs jumped through the window in Resident Evil 1. I mean, I think everybody got scared at that point, right? I mean, you guys all have that similar experience? Yep, I didn't play it. I've never played a Resident Evil game. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, asking the wrong people <laughs> in the podcast. Uh, but if you did play Resident Evil 1, I'm sure that you were scared shitless by those dogs jumping through the window. But something a little less well-known, um, or not even really considered scary, was in Fallout 3, um, when I was kind of like exploring some of the dark tunnels in the subways. And, I mean, you know, it, truth be told, I mean, you can get to a point in that game when you're carrying fucking nukes around with you, so it's not like you're unarmed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got all kinds of weapons and you know, encumbrance isn't a real thing, but despite all that, I still found it really just really creepy and unsettling to kind of poke my nose into the darker corners of the game and never knowing when there was going to be, like, a super mutant or a death claw or something. And, you know, sometimes it was nothing, and honestly, I could usually blow away whatever it was that popped up, but every once in a while, you'd get caught by surprise or, you know, there'd be one more monster that you could handle safely, and then all of a sudden, like, you would go from being this like tank of the wasteland to like, oh shit, I got to get out of here like right now because right. I'm gonna lose all my stuff. And you know that to me was really, was really kind of creepy. And I don't think that Fallout is really seen as a traditional horror game, um, even though I think there are some elements to it. But that to me in recent memory was something that was really, really just deeply um, unsettling and really creepy. So that was something that I liked yeah, that, um, in a scary. The whole life. feeling of isolation and being alone, particularly in some of the, like the older buildings, and you'll be trying to do something, and all of a sudden you'll hear a super mutant or some. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's one of mine. And like, I'm generally not frightened by like the post-apocalyptic theme, but I, mm-hmm. I find the world so immersive and it's easy to kind of zone out while playing it that when something comes along and randomly pulls you out of the sort of like zen-like state you achieve sometimes when wandering around the ruins, it just it's really unsettling. I totally get that. Oh yeah, totally, totally. You, like, like you said, you can zone out. You can just like pick off some uh, you know scavengers here or there, a couple monsters, no big deal, a big rad scorpion or something. 
but then all of a sudden like as soon as you as soon as your boat gets rocked like it, like you said like it kind of snaps you out of it and all of a sudden like the panic sets <laughs> in and it's just it's like freaky so that that's a that's an interesting sensation to go through um i kind of had a similar experience uh playing i am alive which came out earlier this year um did any of you guys uh play that jeff you played that didn't you yeah i played it yeah based on Any, your glowing uh, recommendation i haven't played that one yet yeah. I, I have it. I bought the, the Steam version. I haven't played it yet. Oh, okay. All right. So in that game, um, I talked about it on the podcast earlier, and I will be talking about it later on as we get closer to the end of the year because I think it's really great. But that's another um, post-apocalyptic game, and I don't think I'm in general scared by them, but uh, this one in particular has the player at a real disadvantage. Um, so in I Am Alive, you're this guy who uh, is really not well-armed. Most times you have like a gun, which is frequently empty with no bullets, or sometimes... Um, you'll have, like, one. And if you get to, like, three bullets, you feel like you're God because all of a sudden you can kill stuff. Um, later on in the game, you get, like, a bow and arrow, but you usually have, like, one arrow, and that's it. And if you shoot it, you have to go and get it. So you, you don't, you're not, like, you know, loaded for bear going through this game. And whenever you get, uh, uh, you know, in the vicinity of enemies, you're usually really outnumbered. Um, the game had some problems. You know, technically there's a few things I didn't like too much about it. But that feeling of constantly being afraid and the thing that i was afraid of was running into other humans um i mean that's a theme that comes up often in movies and stuff like that but it was really really well tuned in that game and it really brought home the sense that i am really super powerless um and that this is something that i I just don't like and it it was a great game but it wasn't a fun game and i think you guys kind of touched on that earlier that in the horror genre i mean maybe mike would disagree i don't know if he does or not but it's kind of weird that the horror genre is really even a genre because I don't think anybody thinks those games are fun. Right. Like they're scary and they're tense and you sweat and like you jump out of your seat, but they're not fun. So I Am Alive was a game that I had like negative fun at, but I actually really liked it because it was so – I don't even know. Like it was brutal and it was challenging and it just – it was it was harsh and it made my heart race. So maybe maybe just that feeling of I don't know. I'm alive. I'm alive. I survived this game <laughs> right. I guess. I don't know what it was, but – yeah, that was something that I really liked, and it was, it was kind of a scary thing for me. Taking, I like, I, I like the term negative fun. Yeah, negative fun. <laughs> it was super negative fun, I, but yeah. I, I think yeah. I think it. taking away like your powers, like you guys remember the Clock Tower games? Oh, dude, I'm so glad you brought that up. But go ahead. I just think taking away like in that game, you weren't really, you were just running the whole time and hiding from things, and that was a really scary game because you were just powerless the whole time. Which one are you talking about? There was, I um, think. I think the first one was the one that I played the most of. The second one I didn't like as much. But the first one was oh. amazing. Yeah. I'm right with you. That's actually one of the scariest games I've ever played. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, it was, on, was it PlayStation 1, was it? Yeah. Was right? I think, think it was PlayStation 1. It was pretty old school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that to me was one of the best video game translations of a slasher flick ever. Uh, because like you said, like you're, you're a character or a series of characters. You don't have any weapons. You're constantly running from the enemy you're like hiding in like you know laundry baskets and in closets and stuff and you never know when he's going to pop up and even if you manage to fight him off like he comes back and so you feel like he's immortal um it's a really really scary game and i'm kind of surprised that more developers haven't kind of stolen from it a little bit i mean that game actually was so scary it scarred me permanently like um there's a portion of that game where you can run inside an elevator Mm -hmm. and when you're inside the elevator like the camera switches and you can see the enemy coming towards you and you don't know if the doors are going to close in time or if he's going to stick his <laughs> weapon in and stab you before the doors close. And it just freaked me the fuck out, like that that elevator section. And so now, literally, literally every single time I get in an elevator, <laughs> I constantly think, 
would these doors close in time for Scissor Man, or would he get me? Like, I think that every single time. So I just, I have, I've been touched forever by, by Clock Tower. I wish, I wish they would make more video game iterations of slasher films. I guess they don't know how to do it, but they, if they took that formula and just, oh, it would be so good. I wish they would revamp it. Oh, it was so good because there was a bunch of teenagers in that one, and nobody knew who the killer was, and so it was like almost like a murder mystery too. But then there was also like you were running and you were scared, and it was a murder mystery, and it felt totally like a like a slasher flick. And it was just it was so great. It's really sad to me that more people um, don't give that game the props it deserves. Yeah, but, totally. You know, yeah. Brad, I think that you touched on something there when you were talking about having to to re. Um, we were talking about losing all of your progress because to me that's something that really stresses me out. Like. Um, the whole reason I couldn't play the early Resident Evil games was because of the save ribbons. Like, having to manually decide when to save, and, you know, it's my nature to want to save kind of a lot. I'm not, like, a a quick save guy, but I like to have checkpoints or something, and having to retread the same ground, and then be like, did I... Did I do enough? Was I did I accomplish enough in the last twenty minutes to use one? I don't want to get, you know, three hours before the end and be all out, so... That like to me that really um, like that I find that really frightening. Especially games where you have to do tasks and stuff like go search in drawers and you have to keep going and looking in the same drawer. That stuff is really annoying. Sorry, Brad, I cut you off. No, no, I didn't say anything. You're good. Okay. Um, Yeah, Resident Evil stressed me out for that same reason. I don't like the Resident Evil games because of those save ribbons. And Fallout, you can't save in like a, a battle situation, and I never quick saved enough. So I think that's one of the reasons I found Fallout so scary as well. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate this design. It just, you know, it's not really for me, but I like that it's there. And every once in a while, I kind of like to, to push myself. And I don't know, I, I, I've been meaning to go through the Resident Evil remake and give that another go at some point. Cause oh, God. I gave up. The, the remake is... Uh, I know a lot of people like it. I thought it was fucking awful. I could not stand the remake, man. But let me know what you think of it if you get to it. Yeah, I gave up after a half hour. But one of these days, it's like it's been <laughs> on my list for God knows how long, where I'm like... I, I should really push myself sometime. And... If you're going to push yourself, in pick your a different mind, one. what was the issue with the remake as far as why it did, didn't work for you? Oh, God. It was just that... It, it, like It's like Resident Evil was great at the time. I loved it at the time, but after all that time had gone by, like I didn't want to be in the castle with the weird puzzles and the chess pieces and everything. And <laughs> you know, and also having the, the Crimson Head zombies. They were like super aggressive and hard to kill. And I just felt like it just... It, it felt a lot more contrived after the fact than it did at the time because, you know, at the time it was new and fresh and scary. And then after all that, you know, all those other games had come and gone since then. It was like I – not even nostalgia was, was saving it for me. I just right. – I didn't like it. How long so it, it, oh. it, just didn't, it just didn't age well in other words. I don't think so. I don't think the formula yeah. aged well, no. How long of a game is it – oh, sorry, Jeffrey. I was saying this game sounds so wonderfully unfun. <laughs> How long of a game is it? I, when it first came out, I, I thought it was really long because my brother played it a lot. But I feel like compared to today, maybe not so much. The remake? Uh, just the or first, the original. the original in general. How long does it take to beat about? Oh, dude, you can speed run it in under two hours because I did really? it. Wow. Yeah, okay. to get the rocket launcher, you have to speed run it, and I had it because I hated those fucking monsters so much. I wanted to have the rocket launcher so I could <laughs> go through and just waste them all. So, two hours. But if you know, if you don't know what you're doing, clearly it's a lot longer than that. Right. Like Ten hours probably. Okay. Um, Richard, I know you found a way to work in a very game that's close to your heart into this t- conversation. Uh, I did, and uh, it's this is a Team Fortress story, so everyone collectively roll your oh. eyes now. <laughs> uh, Go get a glass no, of water or something. Come back in five minutes. 
but no, Chi, Chi I think will appreciate this. Um, uh, for, first, obviously, just one more time, I have to mention Amnesia. It's I'm not a horror guy, but that's that game scared the living crap out of me. But uh, it, I've lately I've been playing a lot of the uh, the man versus machine expert mode, which is. Uh, they released uh, some new tier difficulties for uh, Man vs. Machine. There's now an easy mode, a normal mode, and a, a hard mode. And hard mode, uh, which is called expert mode, earns its name. I mean, it really earns it. Um, the group of friends that I was playing it with, we all have a thousand hours or more on the game. And it was hard for us. Like, it was a pain in the ass for us to finish those missions. And How, uh, how is this a horror thing, Richard? I'm not I'll, feeling it yet. I'll, not feeling it yet. Get What's to the that. connection? Just stop. Get there. Stop, get there. Stop interrupting me. Stop Get there. He had to make a choice whether to shoot a robot in the head or let it live. <laughs> or to use a hatchet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chi, do you remember the, the giant rapid-fire rocket guys that you had to fight when we played? The giant rapid-fire rocket guys? Yeah, the big guys with the rocket launchers, they would just shoot rockets constantly. I mean, that sort of feels like a couple of them, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it uh, in the game, there are these uh, giant robots called the giant rapid-fire soldiers, and they have these rocket launchers, and they fire rockets constantly, and they make this sound like as they're, they're firing it. And for me, they're the worst enemy in the entire game because they can take down a sentry really fast. They can kill anything in, like, three or four hits most of most of the time. In expert mode, you have to fight upwards of like 15 of those guys at once. And there were a couple of the the missions where we, we just spent like an hour trying to get past the waves with just those guys. Where it's like, there's just such a ridiculous amount of rockets flying around that you just, you can't do anything. And we spent so much time just trying to get past those rocket guys. And I started just, I, I kept hearing that sound even when I wasn't playing the game. Just like, <laughs> So it just, I mean, it got to me. It's like, I, it was so hard and so stressful to get past that part that I just, that, that sound is still, that sound just is still in my head sometimes. Did you ever manage to beat it? Oh yeah, we did. Eventually. Crisis. It sounds of a... more like a PTSD story than a horror story, Richard. <laughs> I think... You may want to seek some help for that. Yeah. I think people with PTSD would argue that it's the same thing. <laughs> touche. Touche, sir. Zing. Zing. I have PTSD, so I'm not speaking from a position of expertise, but you know. If you if you could recommend one scary game for, for this Halloween season, what would it be? Mine would be Clock Tower. Go back and find Clock Tower. Play Clock Tower. Probably the the scariest, most tense game I've played in a long time, probably ever. Anybody else? I would second that. I would have to. I would have to. Uh, I would have to second that. That game is really scary, and I think it's really fresh and original. It's it's different too. Like I, I haven't played very many horror games that are like that one, so I would I would totally second that. I don't know how it would stand up. I assume it would still. It's PlayStation One, I think. I don't know if it would stand up as well. I played it when it first came out. I I feel like it still would be a really good game though. It it would probably look like complete dog shit. Yeah. It would look really bad and it would control <laughs> stiffly. But like if you want to just the concept is I think still would be solid. So maybe if you can put up with like those really 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 ancient production values and. <laughs> The wonkiness of it, it's its worth it, I think. Actually, do you guys ever feel that um, old games tend to be a lot scarier because the graphics are really bad? Oh, that's a good point. And you're filling a lot of it in with your imagination? Um, I don't know if it's so much that you're filling it in. It's more that it just looks kind of blocky, disturbing. Like, I started playing System Shock 2 once, only for like an hour, because, I don't know, it was just... 
too like RPG-ish and complex for what I was in the mood to get into right. at that time. But like the creatures in it just look like really, you know, they're disproportionate and grainy and pixelated. And I feel like there's kind of something when I'm I'm playing an old game like a PS1 game, you kind of have this feeling that like I shouldn't be playing this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily because, like, it, you know, because you should only play new games, but it feels kind of, like, archaic and wrong, you know? <laughs> like, you're discovering something from, like, this bygone era. Taking a peek into like the watch- Cthulhu universe. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I'm serious, though. Like, a lot of old games kind of have that effect where they're just, like, there's this extra layer of, like, un, you know, unreality because they don't look, you know, they don't look polished or even new games that... Um, yeah, they just don't look like anything new, you know? They're sort of equating you with, like, a grainy black-and-white snuff film or something. <laughs> yeah, to- to- uh, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear you. I it's get a, that, it's yeah. an interesting thought, yeah, it's an interesting thought, yeah. Plus, they control, like, you're underwater, those games, so if you're trying to run from something, it makes it even scarier because you're running into walls and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anybody else have a, um, a recommendation? Amnesia. Amnesia. Amnesia is the only... It's. It's the scariest game I've ever played, and I haven't played a ton of scary games, but that one. You don't definitely. strike me as someone that would scare easily either, Richard, unless you're fighting robots <laughs> with machine guns. So if that scared you, I think Amnesia definitely a good one to take into account. Yeah. Brad, you've been hearing from the Twitterverse? Yeah, I put out a message to uh, Twitter just a few minutes before uh, we recorded. I said, you know, if you have any stories, anecdotes, comments, anything to... to Throw them in. So it was kind of short notice, but we got a couple. Uh, one was from at Line Drag, and uh, this person says, "Here's a spooky Halloween story. Ghosts with two question marks. So it's ghosts with question marks. Uh, and then apparently, you know, he goes on to say the question marks make it mysterious. <laughs> so ghosts with question marks. And uh, uh, a good friend uh, Duckles at Duckles said. Uh, the studio that made Turning Point, Fall of Liberty, and Legendary is still in business and currently working on two AAA games. So that apparently <laughs> is quite frightening. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey, you got some name, some games to name check? Sure. I mean, you know, if you're asking for our, our number one pick, I'd still go with Amnesia. Mm-hmm. But a couple that are are really close behind that is the the PS2 Fatal Frame games, oh. also known as Project Project Zero in Europe. Um, but yeah, the concept there is you, you have this camera, you fight ghosts with a camera. So it's like you walk around and explore in third person, like a, a Silent Hill or Resident Evil. All the controls are a little bit better. They don't have that boat thing. Um, but they're still a little awkward with the camera constantly moving, you know, being choppy and showing things from obtuse angles. But when you're actually like... In combat, you go into first person and you point your camera and you can kind of mix in between first and third. And it's very disoriented. And it's uh, one of the things I really like about that game is that not all of the ghosts are actually enemies. Occasionally, there will be a ghost that just pops up for a second. You just get experience for, for catching them. Oh, wow. Um, it's like Pokemon Snap. Yeah, sort of. Except some of them don't reappear. You know, they have like one chance to get them. Okay. There's one moment that. I think it was in the sec. Yeah, it was in the second one. That's the first one I played, and I don't want to spoil it. But basically, I was just looking at this piece of scenery, and usually, like I was looking for, 
it was just a very relaxed moment. Um, usually you can kind of hear ghosts coming or something. And I was just like looking around. Um, and all of a sudden this ghost just popped up out of nowhere. And <laughs> I totally jumped there. And it's, I don't know. It, I, I, yeah, they're, I can't really do much else to say about them other than they're just really terrifying. Oh, also you have to like, you get more points if you take pictures of the ghosts closer up. Oh, wow. And yeah, and the way that you fight them is, you know, they're kind of circling around you and stuff. So you you have to look. It's the opposite of amnesia, where in amnesia you don't want to look at the scary thing. Mm-hmm. In this, you have to look at it. <laughs> so. By the way, I just wanted to also mention that the uh, 3DS update spirit camera was quite a disappointment, actually. And I not heard that, that. Yeah, not that the concept of sort of taking that camera and, you know, and using the, the 3DS camera wasn't a good idea, but the technology just didn't seem to work. Like, you know, there's a part in the game where you're supposed to scan, the, you know, use, you know, you, you uh, focus the camera on, on, a, on a booklet that, that comes with it, you know, and it's a kind of a scary looking booklet and the book comes to life and all that. And th- I just could not get this thing to work properly under, in you know, normal indoor lighting. It was just really ridiculous. I'd have to, like, move it to a table, try to treat different lights, and I could not get it to work, and I kind of just gave up. But, um, yeah, I mean, when it when it when when I tested it out at PAX East, it still sounded like a good idea, but, you know, I don't know if you have to play, try to play it outdoors or something to get the proper kind of lighting so that it could see the book properly. So you couldn't get a Nintendo gimmick to work properly? That's shocking, Chief. That's for Mike. Yeah. That's for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> So yep. spirit camera not not so hot. Nope. But Fatal Frame in general, good series to get into this time of year. Yeah, the PS2 ones for sure. Do you have anything else? Um, I don't know. Siren was pretty good. Um, oh I no, played... it wasn't, dude. Don't recommend that. <laughs> I don't know. I played. I played the the PS3 one. Is that the one you're talking about? Or are you they're all crap, dude. They're all crap. It's like I want to like them, but I got into the biggest argument on Twitter over Siren, and it was like. You know, you can't tell somebody that they're wrong for liking something. So, you know, props to anybody who likes something and goes with it. I mean, you know, no no disrespect there. But, dude, I tried to get into every single Siren that was released. I think there was, I think, was it three total that were released in the United States? It was either yeah, two think, or three. Yeah, I think there were two on the PS2 and then the remake on PS3. Which is the only <laughs> oh, one my God. Okay, so for those who don't know, Siren, it's like you are a character who arrives in a town and then the, the people of the town become kind of like these weird zombies and the whole point of the game is that you can see through the eyes of the zombies, and so you're supposed to be able to manipulate, or, or, or just you're supposed to know where they're looking, and then you jump back in your body so that you can dodge them because you can't really fight them. See, that sounds cool. You know, it kind of does sound cool, but dude, I found it to be the biggest fucking pile of just not working bullshit. I couldn't get the controls to work. I had a really hard time figuring out who was looking where and when. And, like, if you get caught, you get instantly killed and stuff. And I just – the whole thing, to me, was just pure awfulness and just an idea that sounded like a good idea that never worked. But it does have fans. I mean, Jeff, what did you like about it? Okay, well, I haven't played the, the PS3 one, the remake. I have not played the earlier ones. And I, I had kind of a mixed reaction. I I wasn't super passionate about it or anything. But I had the, that cool mechanic where, you know, you can see through the eyes. And I don't know if the earlier ones are like this, but – in the PS3 one, it becomes split screen. So you're moving in on one half of the screen, and in the other half, you're seeing everything in this sort of like black and sepia-toned filter mm-hmm. um, through their point of view, which is pretty cool. Except, and I'm not sure if this is intentional or a, a technical 
flaw, but it becomes quite choppy at times. And, but it's, I don't know, it kind of, it, it kind of just made the game, like, really creepy, because it, at least in the PS3 one, there's, like, these, there's a dot that will show where you are, so, because it's really hard to, like, tell what's going on through the review, so you can at least... <laughs> just stop right there, dude. You, you're... <laughs> there's no way you can... I mean, listen to this. It's, I can't see. It gets really choppy. There's a dot that tells you where you are because you don't know where you are. That's the scary part, isn't it? Like, it just runs like shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it could have run better, but, like, I don't know. There were definitely times where when you could manipulate it correctly, when you could actually, like, tell where they're walking, because you could, like, put a bead on one of them and be seen through their eyes. It's almost like a stealth game where you can, like, see them, you know, walking around through their patrol pattern. And then you have to, you know, get out of the closet at the right time and run across and run across the house. Like it, you know, it's a very mild recommendation, but I think that it's, you know, had some really cool ideas. I definitely agree could have been executed a lot better. It wasn't super memorable, but, you know, conceptually, it's kind of cool. I, I can agree with that. Conceptually, I think it's very, very interesting. And I'll just stop talking there. Sure. <laughs> All right. Um, we will be right back with thumbs up. Thumbs down, and then we're going to go into a spoiler-ridden discussion of Walking Dead Episode 4. Stay with us. Thumbs up, thumbs down first before we go into the Walking Dead spoiler discussion. So I would like to give a thumbs down to Tim Burton. Stop fucking casting Johnny Depp and Helena Bottom Carter in every one of your movies. Thank you. <laughs> what, what was the latest casting announcement? Um, it, no, I just saw Dark Shadows tonight, which I wasn't expecting that much from. Uh, I thought it was terrible. And it, I knew Johnny Depp was in it, but fucking Helena Bottom Carter shows up as well. I'm just sick of those two always in all the Tim Burton movies. It's just a personal irk of mine. I guess there's nothing really wrong with the two of them together. But I think Johnny Depp's better without Tim Burton. I think Tim Burton, a lot of his stuff without Johnny Depp is better. I don't like them together so much. And what's your feeling on Helena Bonham Carter? I just don't like her. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just don't like her. There's something about her irks me. I think it's just because uh, Tim Burton casts her and everything. Well, she's also his wife. So. That, that makes it even worse, mm -hmm. though. It's like nepotism. My my wife just recently ranted on hating Helen the Bottom Carter as well, so you're not the only person. Good, I'm glad I'm not the only one that has an <laughs> irrational hatred of Helen Bottom Carter. Well, no one said it was irrational. I think you might have some rational reasons, but she, why does why does your wife uh, not like her? 
Uh, you know, I don't know if it's just, it's, I think it's partly because of that the whole dirty, grungy look that she always, she always looks like she hasn't taken a shower in like she a does. week or something. <laughs> Tim Burton's got that greasy hair. I think they just don't shower. <laughs> um, They're perfect together, then. They, they deserve it. Um, Brad, thumbs up, thumbs down. We always yeah, go last with you, so let's start with you this time. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm up for changing the lineup here. I have uh, two thumbs up this week. Um, the first one is for the movie Dread that just, uh, I mean, it's still in theaters right now. It came out fairly recently. Uh, it's based on, of course, uh, the Judge Dread comic book that was really popular, like in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, and I think the actual title of it is Dread 3D. Uh, but truth be told, when I went to go see it, I did not see the 3D version. I didn't want to pay extra for the glasses and all that shit. So I just went to go see it. And you know what? It was really, really good. I thought it was an awesome film. Have you guys, have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet, but I was kind of rooting for it. And I kind of like Carl Urban, you know, I think he does, you know, I just like the kind of movies he does. So, yeah, it was great, man. I was shocked at how good it was. I mean, so for uh, to give just a real quick nutshell on it. So this is a kind of a dystopian future kind of thing where, you know, the entire population of Earth is apparently scrunched down into one giant like mega city. And they have these giant towers, uh, which are called blocks, and they hold like, you know, 75,000 people per Building, so they're kind of like little mini cities unto themselves, and uh, these judges go around, uh, you know, enforcing the laws. But not only are they police officers, they can, you know, execute people on the spot and hand down sentences. And it's like a super hardcore kind of nihilistic. Um, uh, some people say it has a real uh, Paul Verhoeven kind of feel to it, which I think is pretty accurate. So this film is about Judge Dredd, who is, you know, one of the baddest, baddest judges of the Judge Corps, and he goes along with um, Judge Anderson, who's a, a famous character from the comics, and she's a psychic, and they, you know, they get kind of trapped in this building, and all this stuff goes down, and it, you know, hijinks ensue, uh, but what I liked about it was I thought it was very true to the character, I thought they were very faithful to the comic material, and it was fucking hardcore violent, I was shocked at how much violence was in this film, and I don't say that like it's a bad thing, I mean, I think it was good, um, but as I was sitting there in the theater, I was like, holy shit, like, when is the last time I've seen a dude's head explode and his brains go out all over the sidewalk in, like, a regular, you know, usually I'm watching that stuff at 2 o'clock on Netflix or, you know, when I've got friends over watching a horror film. I'm, like, in the middle of a theater at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and this guy's getting a bullet going through his fucking skull, and, like, his cheek is getting ripped open, and you can see his jaw and his teeth getting shot out the other side. And I'm like, dude, this is great. This is crazy. This level of violence movie is crazy. Uh, but it was good. It was really good. Like, the action was super tense. Um, Carl Urban did a great job as Judge Dredd. Um, I'm afraid I don't know who the actress was who played Judge Anderson, but she did a great job as well. Um, nonstop, just, just go, 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 and just tense stuff all the way through. I thought it was super, super thumbs up. Um, so I liked it, but the shame, the shame of it is that the last I checked, this film was doing abysmal at the box office i think it cost i'm going to totally get this wrong and i'm sure we're going to get emails about this but i think it cost something like 20 million to make so pretty you know pretty low end as far as blockbusters go but i think it only made something like six million total which is really really bad i mean that's they didn't even make their money back and i you know after watching the film i think it's a shame because it's an awesome film but on the other hand judge dread is not really a known quantity in the united states i mean it's most it's mostly a uk thing that's where it's from yeah. And when you think of Judge, yeah. you think of Stallone, which is not good. Right. Which was terrible. Yeah. That was a terrible film. Sylvester Stallone should have never done that character. But, <laughs> right. um, 
Yeah, I, PR must be doing a, a terrible job because I haven't heard anybody talking about it except on Twitter. And, you know, nobody knows who Judge Dredd is in the first place. And it's just it's just a shame that this film is tanking financially because it was really, really good. So if you get a chance, Dredd, total thumbs up. Um, so there's that one. I have just one more quick thumbs up. Thumbs up to a new sci-fi show I just started watching called Lost Girl. Um, I had never heard of it before, like, last week. And my wife was uh, scanning iTunes one day, just kind of just randomly clicking through stuff. And she's like, oh, here's a sci-fi show we haven't checked out. You know, you want to watch it? I'm like, eh, whatever, sure. So it turned out to be pretty pretty good. And I was really taken aback by how good it was. Um, the premise is that the main character is a uh, – she's a succubus, but she doesn't know that at the beginning. She just kind of – she knows something's wrong with her. She's really weird. She ends up killing dudes that she sleeps with, and it's all just, you know – my life sucks, boo-hoo. But she eventually meets up with these other supernatural creatures. And, you know, long story short, she turns up uh, a new leaf as a detective. And so she takes on these cases where she's helping people out and she's using her succubus powers. And the thing I like most about it is it has a really strong adult spin. I and mean, there's a lot of um, swearing in the show, but it's, it's appropriate swearing. Like, it feels natural. It doesn't feel weird or shoehorned in. There's a lot of sex in it. But again, it feels like it's like it's okay, <laughs> you know. And... Um, the main character, her name is Bo, she is kind of atypical in the sense that she doesn't shy away from being very straightforward. She's not afraid of violence. She's not afraid of sexuality. And so whenever something comes up like that, like in the first episode, I expected her to kind of like shy away from violence as most women characters do. And she was just like, fuck yeah, we're doing it. And I'm like, whoa, she just went for it. And she starts kicking ass. And I'm like, man, this is really, it's really refreshing to see a strong female character who just takes charge of things and gets things done. And you know, it's 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 just a nice change of pace. I mean, the writing's really snappy. Um, most of the cast is really really good. I think they've got a good cast going with a lot of good uh, chemistry, and it's been pure win so far. I've seen I think four or five episodes out of two seasons total, but I, I'm loving it so far. I'm watching one a night, and it's been really good. Is this BBC or what is this? No, it's American Sci-Fi, and I think it's on really really late at night because I've never even heard right. of this show, and it's already in its second season. And if you go on Twitter, you start digging around on Google, there's apparently a pretty big hardcore fan base of it. But I have never, ever, ever, ever heard of it. I didn't know who, what it was about. I you know, didn't even know it was a show. But it's a thing, and I think it's just on really late at night because it's used so adult. Brad, can I ask you, aside from the actual sex, would you say the show is kind of sexy? Yeah, man, I really would. I mean, the main character is you know, super sexy. Her, uh, her sidekick, you know, definitely not my kind of person, but, you know, I can see how a lot of people would go for that. And, I mean, just everybody in the show has a sexuality, and they talk about it. It's not it's not like this weird, taboo thing. Like, everybody's kind of okay with it, which is, again, really, really refreshing. It's almost, it's almost like if you watched the good episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer with more sex and more swearing and less of the weird, crappy stuff that came towards the end of the show. So it's like a darker kind of Buffy. Um, and I mean that in, like, a really positive way. So I, I give Lost Girl total thumbs up sounds cool it's a good show check it out i i do not think you'll be disappointed cheese thumbs up thumbs down sure i've got several let me try to run through them as quick as i can uh first uh big thumbs down to lance armstrong um the 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 usada report came out like last week and um you know i've got a i've got a very nuanced and sort of complex and gray view of steroids so i was you know, I, I never held the steroids against Lance Armstrong, but what I do hold against him is him sort of acting like a total douchebag, like when he's sending like creepy text messages to like the wife of one of his former writers, you know, to sort of threaten them and, you know, all this 
general douchebaggery of him trying to like cover this stuff up and and uh, like I said, threaten people that tried to expose all that. So yeah, just big thumbs down there to, to Lance Armstrong. Uh, thumbs up to Taken Two. Sort of, you know, it, it's you know, it's sort of like I think the way Brad described Dread, you know, sort of these low key action films. And I'm glad, like, and that's what I loved about the first Taken film. And you know, this this Brian character that you know Liam Neeson plays, it's sort of like it feels like this is like the the, the character he was born to play for whatever reason. It just feels so, you know, right in that regard. And Taken 2, it's not as good as Taken 1, but it's still a, a film that, you know, knows where its its core is. It doesn't try to overstep itself. And I, and I think there's always something to be said about films that do that, you know, where they stay in their lane very firmly, but yet at the same time, they execute it very well. And and it's a generally entertaining film. So I like Taken 2. I still I, I recommend it. Uh, also wanted to move on to Transformers now. So first of all, a thumbs up to Hasbro because uh, they finally have sort of after what I feel like felt like uh, uh, like a two, three year drought of just, you know, screwing up the whole uh, Transformers Prime figures when they first launched with the first editions that were like sort of these limited previews and overstocking on the Dark of the Moon figures, which were mostly crap. They finally sort of started to get their act in order. They're re-releasing the first edition figures because they were better than the actual uh, prime figures that did finally come out and the fans were so upset that they actually listened to the fans and they said we'll we'll figure out a way to get those out in the stores and they are starting to sh- uh, show up on shelves again um they recently released a masterpiece thundercracker which is the second version of the starscream masterpiece masterpiece mold which was supposed to be more superior to the original mode uh, and then they released the masterpiece optimus prime the second mold which is the mp10 from the original masterpiece prime which is also this is the thing of beauty, man. If you actually see this thing in person, it's like it belongs in a museum. <laughs> you have to see it to believe it. I mean, even when I showed it to my wife and my kid, they were just like, "Whoa!" Like they're just blown away. <laughs> you have to see this thing. Unfortunately, it's very hard to find on, on top of that. And then there's a whole bunch of other figures. A lot of the Transformer Prime figures they, they recently announced on, on the, the uh, New York Comic Con, the Beast Hunter uh, lineup that's going to come with the new season three of Transformers Prime. So. Man, this is going to be a really rough uh, holiday season. I, I'm already sort of priming all, all my family members to just give me cash for for my, for my uh, <laughs> Christmas gifts to pay for all this shit. But yeah, man, and uh, but it's a good time to be a Transformers fan. On top of that, uh, my my final thumbs up goes to again on, on Transformers. Something I never really got into, but I'm starting to get into a little bit more now is something called third party um, Transformers. You know, Brad, you know about third-party stuff in general? Yeah, you're talking about the add-on, like, modification pieces and the accessories. Yeah, and stuff like that, right? yeah, you know, and they've always been kind of really super expensive, and I kind of always told myself, you know, when figures sort of hit a certain um, price point, I'm sort of like, that's that's it for me. I'm just going to kind of ignore it. And so I kind of ignored some, some of these figures, and, you know, I thought that was to my own detriment. You know, yeah, they are they're a little more costly, but then if you wait... Even after that, it's even more expensive. So I should have just got in on some of these when they first came out. And uh, yeah, they're really amazing. I mean, they're basically like the figures that everyone wants that Hasbro never gets around to making or that they somehow don't make. And it's really mind-blowing how good these this stuff is. I mean, it's really amazing. Like, I don't know who these people are. I don't know if they're like former employees or they're they're just straight-up fans. But they, they obviously know how to make toys. So you know, they go in there, they'll take either an existing figure and make add-on parts so that, like, for example, they took one of these other uh, uh, 
what is it, Combaticon combiners, which yeah, looked like absolute Bruticus, crap. Right? Yeah, it was a Bruticus Maximus from the Energon line. It looks like absolute dog shit when you see the original figure. They created two replacement figures and sort of the add-on parts, and it, then it looks like like the cartoon, <laughs> like even better than anything you've ever seen on the cartoon. If you ever, you know, it was um, made by Fans Project. If you ever do a, a search on like Fans Project Bruticus and you look at this thing, it's a thing of beauty. And yeah, it's really expensive now because it's like they made it in 2009 and it's since long sold out. But if I had gotten in on it then, it wouldn't actually have been that bad. So now I'm trying to keep more of an eye out just to try to get them when they come out first. That way I don't have to pay like hundreds later. But uh, and there's other, you know, other kits and projects that these, you know, other companies have made like Fans Project, TFC, Make Toys. They were quite amazing. I, I picked up a bootleg uh, battle tanker from Make Toys, which is uh, a remake of um, uh, the Black Convoy or Scourge figure that, you know, it's pretty cool as well. So thumbs up to that. Uh, then that's it for me. Thanks. All right. Um, Jeffrey, thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, sure. So I remember a month or two back, she was really highly recommending uh, 21 Jump Street. So, yep. yep, I got a chance to see that on the plane and loved it. It was, you know, it's not a deep movie by any stretch of the imagination, but man, alive is that fun thing funny. So, <laughs> it's, deep, it's deep in its own little way. You know, it doesn't knock you over the head with it, but, you it's know. It's clever. Yeah. Ice Cube is amazing as the... Um, the police chief. Like, I, I love how it... There's a lot of, of meta humor about remakes in the remake. That's really well done. Um, so that was good. I saw Looper a couple weeks back. I really loved that, too. I'm usually not really into time travel movies, because I generally find them kind of confusing. And indeed, when I thought about, like, the internal logic of the film afterwards, it, you know no pun intended, it threw me for a loop. But, <laughs> but like, while it's going on, it has a very, you know, clear through line in the actual story. So it's not one of those... Like, I remember everyone loved Primer when that came out, and I just found that, like, such a headache to keep track of. And I found this a lot clearer and, and more surprising in a lot of ways, too. I mean, it's just a really good, dark, krill, dark like, crime thriller with some sci-fi stuff. And it, you know, it, it's... I went into it literally knowing nothing about it other than who made it and who was in it, and I heard it was good. So, did you uh, did real, you think it did you think it was mind blowingly good? Because some people sort of jizzed their pants um, on Facebook and Twitter when it came out. I wouldn't quite <laughs> say it was mind blowingly good because uh-huh. it was a lot. I, I definitely not want people to go in with that expectation. I right. went in, you know expecting it to be pretty good but also kind of skeptical too i mean it's the director of brick that i only that i wasn't really that into but i could tell that he had talent and you know maybe next time you get it together and you know it was mostly just i actually saw it opening night but i i heard all the, the buzz about it beforehand and from critics so you know it i don't think it'll blow your mind but it's it, I, I can't honestly think of a better time travel movie off the top of my head. And, and don't you hate it when people do that when they when they set your expectations so high and then you go into the movie and it's not like quite that good. It's like, come on, man, save save those mind blowing reactions for like stuff that really deserves it, you know. So now I feel like Looper is not that kind of film, and I feel like I'm gonna go in there and be let down now, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm telling you, it's not that kind of film. So maybe you'll be more impressed now when you go into yeah, it. Yeah, hopefully you balanced <laughs> it out now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good, 
not mind-blowing, but very good. A lot more entertained than I expected. Um, that, and I'm sure this is going to be super old news by the time the podcast airs, but have you guys seen this Gawker piece on... Um, there's a video of Reverend Phil Snyder yes. talking... Yes. I watched it just before the podcast. Springfield, Missouri. Is this about the segregation thing? Okay, you already know all this. Yeah, I totally so. interrupted you setting up. Though. Go ahead and explain to them what sorry, it is. I don't sorry, know. I feel sorry, like sorry. at this point, if you guys have all heard it, then everyone will... I actually haven't heard it, errors. so... Well, okay, fine. I'll describe it, but you might want to cut it because I just feel like it's going to be super old. I guarantee but... some of our listeners will not know. I almost thumbs so up it, too, so go, yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay, yeah. fine, fine. So this guy, Reverend Phil Snyder, had a uh, series in uh, Missouri. Yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, Springfield, Missouri. Yep. Missouri pastor. There's this clip on Gawker of him talking about gay marriage. And he has like this two minute tirade about how, you know, ho- you know, homosexuals are the scourge of, you know, of the earth, basically. And like how, you know, we're, we'd be taking away rights from, you know, good Christian people and it was just like this very inflammatory speech. And then he starts to stumble and says, so the thing about segregation, and he like stumbles and he's looking at his notes. It's like, so segregation is, um, sorry, everyone. I, I brought the wrong notes. These are from the previous century. Um, <laughs> I just swapped out the word racial integration with gay rights and it sounds exactly like all the rhetoric i've been hearing around today <laughs> it was genius yeah that was so brilliant genius. stuff brilliant stuff and so fucking true you know seriously i mean you try to put a spin on it but call a spade a spade i mean it's discrimination just like anything else yeah and he the way he he came off when he was reading it just like every other asshole that says that shit so it was so cool when he just turned it around on everybody mm-hmm. and he did a great job of acting like he actually messed up yeah yeah. That that was genuinely mind blowing. I don't know about Looper, but that to me was. <laughs> yeah, and it was it was in like I I don't know if you guys know anything about Springfield, but like Springfield, Missouri is like the most fucking churchy place you are ever gonna go to. So for him to like pull that off there in like the the epicenter of like the like churchy anti gay marriage movement is just it, it's mind blowingly brilliant. You got some applause afterwards. I was trying to gauge the audience the whole time. You can see people in the background yeah. looking kind of stone-faced and listening, and I honestly couldn't tell. It, it seemed like they were happy with him at the end, so it seems like they were for him, but it was just it was mm. hard to tell. Yeah, I was watching the audience the whole time, too, and yeah, they were stone-faced, and then when he started to mess up, they were kind of like, what? But you know what? He got people's attention, because when he stumbled, all of a sudden everybody started listening, because people like oh. to watch other people mess up. So he got people's attention, and then he hit him with the message, and that was brilliant, I thought. And he deserved that applause. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, the fact... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just saying, the fact that four out of five of us have seen this, and looking at the Gawker thing, it went up at 5.28, and maybe the video is up a little before that, but... So maybe that's East Coast time. So this had only been up for, like, seven or so hours before we started recording. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, he's... So, good on him. Yeah, big thumbs up. Huge thumbs up. Absolutely. Um, Richard, you got some thumbs? Uh, I do have thumbs. And uh, Chi, prepare to have your expectations set a little bit lower. (laughs) Thumbs up to Looper. Um, I thought it was good. I did not think it was very good. Um, I came away entertained. Um, I I, I think it was about 
20 to 30 minutes too long. There's a lot of extraneous stuff there that I think could have stood to be uh, cut out to make the film a little bit better. Um, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I felt like I got my tickets money ticket money's worth. It's not really something I really have any desire to see again, but you know, it, it was it was decent. Um, also, thumbs up to the strange diamond bot killer metagun, which was my reward for finishing uh, one of the expert the expert mode mission in Team Fortress Two. And if you're not familiar with it, it's like you get for finishing the expert mode. There's like a set of items that you can get, and there's like the carbonite weapons, which are the most common ones. And then there's also like you have like a one in a hundred chance of getting uh that's actually a pretty good idea jeff i like it um, every time he's saying every time richard brings up team fortress 2 can we have a sound effect i think when she was talking about people jizzing in their pants that's the sound effect she's yeah. jizzing in the pants get, like a, get the sound of like a you know some porn actor or something <laughs> yeah like that. <laughs> get cut but, to the money shot whenever richard brings up team fortress 2 and, oh 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 it can be richard yeah. going hey yeah go ahead richard. don't touch me don't touch but, me <laughs> Anyway, you have like a one in hundred chance of getting one of the diamond items, and they're so they're so rare that if I actually tried to sell it on like a trade server, it's worth like fifty to sixty dollars in real money. Holy if I actually shit. tried to sell this in-game item that does not exist in real life, so that was that was pretty stoked because like if I go into a public server with that metagun equipped, people look at you like you're a god. They're like, oh, diamond weapon? Oh my god, let me look at it. And they just kind of gather around you and look at it. And sometimes they like crouch and walk up to you and they're trying to like kiss the diamond. It's so, it's it's really, it's a big ego boost. I liked it very much. <laughs> uh, and, uh, also, thumbs up to the Samsung Galaxy S3. I sold my iPhone. I just, I decided to go back to Android. I've always been kind of more comfortable with Android anyway. And it's, I'm really liking it a lot. Um, it's very fast. Um, it doesn't have any of that Android lag or Android bullshit that I had with the previous versions of Android. And it's, I mean, so far it's just been a great, great phone. All right. Those are our thumbs up and our thumbs down. We are going to take a quick break, and we are going to be right back with a spoiler-heavy conversation about Walking Dead Episode 4. If you've not played Walking Dead Episode 4 and you don't want to be spoiled, this is where you stop listening. If you want to be spoiled, keep listening. I hope I made that clear enough for everybody. We're going to spoil Walking Dead Episode 4 right after this. This segment goes out to Muffin, who was disappointed last episode that we did not talk about Walking Dead Episode 4. And I mean, we were going to talk about it tonight anyway, but let's throw it out to Muffin regardless, because I like that username. We are going to spoil Walking Dead Episode 4 once again, so stop listening if you don't want to be spoiled. 
Richard, you wanted to go first on this, so I'm expecting you to have something awesome to say. Uh, well, I don't know if it's awesome, but I definitely have something to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, I have loved this game. I loved episodes one, two, and three. I loved the way... I, I just loved pretty much everything about the series up to this point. But episode four, I did not like this at all. It was a huge letdown uh, compared Ooh, to the first three episodes. <laughs> compared, compared to the first three episodes. It's just every single choice was a no-brainer. There was no intensity to to anything I was doing. What? The story was very meandering. It just... It didn't feel like it was going anywhere. Like at the end, at the end, they end with the exact same cliff, almost the exact same cliffhanger that they ended with on episode three. But I just didn't. And they spent like the whole episode talking about these Crawford people. And then you get to their combat. It's like, oh, there's just zombies here. So it's like nothing. Uh, We're we're getting way ahead of ourselves. So, Richard, you hate it. I I totally feel you. I actually think that this was a really bad episode, too. How about before? Let's go through it like sequentially, because that seemed to work really well. Last episode, we kind of covered everything and the choices. But let's take really quickly. Like, can we all sound off on how we liked it? Yeah, I um, I played it in two sittings. I started falling asleep, which should say a lot about the first half. The first half to me, I agree with Richard. But the second half, mind blowingly amazing. So it pulled me back in for me. What about you, uh, Brad? Um, I overall did not care for it that much. Um, I was a little surprised because the people at um, Telltale had been talking about Gary Whitta, who is a Hollywood writer, and, and really hyping this, and they were so excited that they got him on board. And I feel like this was the weakest episode overall. So we'll talk about the details, mm-hmm. but in general, I, this is probably my second – this is my – if not the least favorite, the second I least can favorite. agree weakest episode. She, what about you? Well, I'm, fine. I'm kind of surprised that you guys there. I mean I, I thought the writing was – it's typical strong, you know, as it normally is. I mean, I wouldn't say it stood out as better or worse in particular. There were a couple of weird niggling points here and there when I'll talk about them as they come along that kind of maybe sort of, you know, you know, sort of say what a little bit. But overall, I thought it was, a, you know, in terms of gameplay wise, I thought it was a pretty well executed um, episode overall. Uh, maybe a little too long, but I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that you guys are, are are down on it this much, though. What about you, Jeff? Free? Um, so before I played it, I was kind of dreading it a little bit because I, I love the series. But as Braz mentioned, they're really hyping Gary Whitta, who wrote uh, uh, The Book of Eli, which I have to admit I didn't see. But I've heard the ending of that. And it just sounds like the stupidest fucking thing. (laughs) (laughs) So I was really worried that he was going to throw in like this really hackneyed shocker, um, you know, like some kind of, um, you know, sixth sense, like, you know, type of mystery, um, especially combined with the cliffhanger we had at the end of three. So the whole time I was playing, I was like, okay, this is pretty good so far, it's pretty good, just, you know, don't blow it, don't blow it, and he didn't blow it. There are some things that, that did bother me a little bit. I do think it's it's the weakest of the four, but I think even the weakest of the four, it was still, on the whole, still quite good. My feeling about it, before we move into specifics, is that if you play it, all the episodes back-to-back, it, it won't stand out as weak as it did once you've been waiting for it for a month. That Because I think there was a lot of action in the previous episode. It was kind of a more of a down or down episode but um i also want to say i was in savannah this past weekend and so they did a really good job of recreating savannah we can talk about that more when they get to when we get to that part but um 
So it starts, Richard, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know you have a list in front of you, but you, 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 you're in Savannah and you find this house, right? Yes. And um, so you're – what's the best way you guys want to do this? You just want to talk through it from front to back? Yeah, yeah let's just go through Richard. You got, the, you got the list. Why don't you read the first choice and we can kind of talk about okay. what surrounds that. I mean we don't need to do like a okay. you know, event by event right. thing, but maybe the okay. choices will yeah. – um, The first major choice as dictated by the game is – you find this child zombie in the attic of this house that you stumble upon when you're in Savannah. Like, they're hiding out in this house, mm-hmm. they're exploring it, and there's, like, this this kid, he tried to hide out in the attic, but he eventually just starved to death. And so, the Kenny is the one that, that finds him up there, and, you know, obviously with what happened to Duck in the last episode, he's had some, some, some issues with children. It's a very traumatic thing, finding him there. And Kenny is just completely stunned. And so your choice is either kill the boy yourself as as Lee or have Kenny do it. And the the, the, the statistical breakdown on it was like 80% of players killed the boy himself. And I'm just like, why on earth would you make Kenny do that? He's like completely right. prone and stunned. It's like even if you asked him to do it, he, he couldn't. He would probably just sit there and do nothing. So it's like, I don't I mean, this is one of my probably – one of the biggest problems, if not the biggest problem I have with this episode, is that every single choice is a complete no-brainer. I was in the minority, the very big minority, and one of the choices we'll talk about later. But this one, yeah, it was a no-brainer, and it, it, it seemed like they tried to play up the emotion of it, but I didn't get – I didn't feel, like, bad about shooting a zombie, whether it was a kid or not. Yeah. Did anybody – did anybody – did everybody well, shoot them themselves? What, go I, ahead, Brad. I, I didn't, actually, but oh. yeah. Okay, we'll yeah. definitely want to hear about that. Yeah. But for me, I thought this was actually probably the best scene of this episode for me. I thought it was very touching. I mean, it was kind of sad to hear about how that little boy died in the attic all alone, and he became a zombie, and he's like this really small, pathetic zombie. I mean, that to me was pretty sad. Like, I thought that was like adding some humanity to the the victims of the zombie epidemic, which was needed. And, you know, of course, it's a very obvious callback to what happened in episode three with Duck dying. Um, I, you know, it made sense in an emotional way, but I agree with Richard. I think this choice was a very stupid choice. I don't think it made a lot of sense. It was very cumbersome as a way of trying to, you know, get that same emotional note back that they, that was so powerful in episode three. It's too soon for that. It felt really ham handed and I did not appreciate it at all. They made you bury him and do like a little pushing the button on the dirt. And it was just annoying. Chi, you didn't shoot him. I didn't shoot him. And this is where the choice plays very interesting uh, role in how um, the game unfolds because in the previous episode I did I did shoot Duck and I thought I fell into the category of people who thought this is just not something a parent should have to do themselves right, right? right. but at the same time you know I heard Brad's view on this I thought it was a very interesting take and it, it affected my view to, to some extent so going when I you know I saw I definitely kept that in the back of my mind so when going when when this point of the game came and I'm not sure this is what why they did it or not. But then I felt like, okay, so now here's is here is um, Kenny's chance to sort of redeem himself, you know, in, in, as a as that person who should have maybe taken that responsibility. So that's why I had him do it, you know. So it it kind of completed the circle for me. So I thought it was actually it worked out fine for me. I didn't think it was a bad choice. I thought it was interesting that it how how it played out based on what I did, you know, in the previous episode, and. And I got to say, I'm actually surprised that you thought that the burying the, the child scene was actually uh, bad because I thought I actually thought that was really well done. And I actually really appreciated the game. Um, it was a little annoying after a while to have to constantly push the shovel button. And, 
but at the same time, I also li- like how the game sort of just lets it lets you be. Sometimes it, it's not constantly trying to beat you over the head with stuff, you know. And I and I right. that's sort of been a hallmark with the series. And it was more prevalent in maybe the first episode and less in the second and third. But I thought that was a callback to that, just sort of letting you know the situation be what it was, let people sort of ponder it a little bit. And I thought that was really interesting. But and, for me, it was a yeah, zombie. I, it was, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I was gonna say it's like I don't think the, I thought the burial scene was actually pretty good like i thought that was yeah. that was actually my favorite part of the episode because i thought that was actually uh the most the most powerful thing in the whole episode when you're just i mean you're really seeing the impact of this because right. like now like you're humanizing the zombies and that's that that's a good thing i, I liked that i just didn't agree with making that one of like the major fought one of the five major choices that they track it's just like to me that was just i mean i i get what you're saying chi and i i understand like why you you made the opposite choice but i mean for for me and it's like actually for the majority of people because it, it was like 80 20 was the breakdown mm-hmm. like 80 people of 80 percent of players chose to shoot them themselves and that was just i know that just that, that just did not work for me what about you jeffrey um well first i just want to touch on something richard said about like the 80 20 things i feel like a lot of the time you know 20 is still a big enough number that i think it's worth having like i know no one here um saved uh what was that guy's name episode doug and yeah, right. I didn't either. But like, a, a friend of mine did save Doug, and he had a really interesting reason, which was because Doug looked like he was in more danger, and he was hoping he could save them both. So I feel like even these choices that you know you might see as cut and dry, like people have interesting, you know, deviate from them. Like I'm the only one here who killed Larry, um, and I can talk about that later. Yeah, I, I want to hear about that later. Should I just do that now? Yeah, actually? I mean, is it? I, I'm interested to hear why you killed Larry. Yeah. So this, okay. What episode was that? It was episode two. Two. Right? That was yeah. Two. Episode two. Okay. Did yeah. you, first of all, did you hate Larry like we all did? Yeah, I hated Larry. That's not why I killed him. Mm-hmm. I generally killed him because it seemed like the practical thing to do because he would come back and I had you know Clementine there and you know Kenny <laughs> had to save his son. So I think that the problem is in how it was presented because you know Brad and I have discussed this that it looked like there'd be no harm in at least waiting a few minutes and letting her try. And, and I get that. But for for some reason, because it's a video game, like I just kind of saw it as like, this is the only time you're going to have to choose this. Mm-hmm. And when when Lily is saying like, no, I can save him, I can save him, um, it seemed he was having a heart attack. It wasn't like he was a diabetic and just needed his insulin right. shot. You know, it wasn't something, it seemed like she was just saying that, um, because she was unwilling to acknowledge the truth that that he was dying. Mm-hmm. So to me, it wasn't like she could actually save him. And I could feel like I could tell that Kenny felt really bad about it. So I know all of you guys were all like shocked that Kenny all of a sudden like grabbed this cube and smashes the guy's brain in. But for me, it was like, you know, Kenny and I were very remorseful about this thing we had to do. So I, I didn't, I didn't have... think Kenny was very remorseful at all, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> really, he seemed like it. Where he, he, yeah, he, like beforehand. He, yeah, after. Like, don't even get me started right, on Kenny because it's like I, a freaking love hate relationship. I hate Kenny now guy. after I know, this. I know episode. totally, but yeah, this was the first time that I started dislike Kenny. You know, granted he snapped after everything, but I liked him up until three, because um, you know I, I didn't have that like. You know, that shock of him, like, all of a sudden doing something crazy. Right. It was more him kind of taking responsibility and, um, you know, like, like that way he kind of pulls these signs like, hey, we, like, we need to, you know, if he turns, this is bad. Like, the way he points that out. 
Um, so I don't know. I didn't really find Kenny a dislikable character. One of the things that's so great about this game is like it does force you to make hard decisions and everybody's making their own decisions. There's no – like even this decision that seemed – about killing the zombie boy that seemed really easy for most of us, she picked a totally different route to go. And I think that's interesting about the game. And you can't say that about most games. Yeah, I mean, I, I killed the, the zombie boy, too, because you know, I didn't want Kenny to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, I, I think that Richard's right in that the choices are probably the least interesting in the series, mm-hmm. but I, I still liked a lot of the individual scenes. I mean, to me, burying the boy, and I know it's super cliche, but the the quarter, the image of, like, the boy and his dog, like, zombie, you know, right. being dead and buried together, like, yeah, to me, that was, like, really, really affecting Especially when you have to like take the collar off the dog, and you're worried that it's gonna like come back alive, but instead its head falls off. Yeah. And... Yeah. The tone, the and the tone of that, by the way, I thought was just was perfect. I mean, it was just it had that sort of like odd, quirky, you know, independent film feel to it. That whole scene, you know, digging up the dog and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 All right. So what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Uh, the next scene is when you are uh, after you're in the sewer and you discover these um. Uh, like these people living in this this morgue, this underground morgue, and one of them pulls a gun on you. His name is Vernon, and you have the option of either threatening him and telling him that you'll, if he shoots you, that I think it's like if you shoot me, a whole bunch of other people will come find you, and blah blah blah. Or you can just talk him down, and try to get him to just you know drop the gun. And the breakdown was 71% of players, as opposed to 29% talked him down. Mm-hmm. And my reasoning, I, I was in the majority on this one, and my reasoning was. He's got a gun on me. If I threat, I, I, I'm in no position to threaten him. Like me threatening him, it's like if I threaten him and he's like, "Well, something bad's gonna happen to you." It's like, how the hell are they gonna find their way down here through yeah. the sewer? Well, just and, just to clarify real quick, the, the actual question was, "Did do you lie or do you tell the truth?" Wasn't it? Like, wasn't that the actual? Yeah. Question? No, I thought it was. No, it was more threatened. There was a yeah, threatened was threat- lie. Yeah. I want because I just looked at that and it definitely had like a. Did you? try to intimidate or something like that okay yeah it's like that, you could talk him down or you could just try to scare him and it's like uh, it, you're in no position to try to scare him you're it's like outnumbered he's... and he has a fucking gun on you yeah so yeah i, I talked him down did anybody uh, did anybody try to scare him I, I talked him down as well, but I thought this was a really stupid choice. Like, I thought this shouldn't even have been a choice, honestly. I thought it was so, – like, when I looked at the, 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 the tally screen at the end, mm-hmm. I had to think for a minute about what that choice even I, was. I thought it like, was I didn't at, even remember what at the end when it was – that Clementine conversation happened. Yeah. Was, I, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I misremembered because I was thinking that the choice is whether to lie to him about Clementine, which mm-hmm. is a more interesting choice yeah. that's in the same conversation. You know, I, I – I, talked him down like everybody else but to me that wasn't any different because in every episode thus far there's always been a couple of dumb questions which i didn't even feel like were questions half the time you know so i felt like that this question felt within that mold and you know so it doesn't bother me that it was an actual question so but for me this this episode for me it picks up after this whole sewer business because you're making two kind of choices that they don't seem that important but for me like the episode was I was it was a fail for me until about the time they got to Crawford. But I do want to say, since we've moved past it, like they did a great job of recreating River Street in Savannah. And like there was one point where I saw like a street sign that said like Lincoln on it, and that's a real street in Savannah. So they did a really good job recreating Savannah. I wanted to give them props on that. Yeah, interesting. Um, you know, before we yeah. also move on, I also wanted to say that the biggest disappointment for me uh, was. 
you know, at the end of the previous episode, it seemed like um, uh, Lee and Clementine were like talking up this big plan that they were going to go find her, his parent, her mm-hmm. parents, and sort of maybe you know even entertain the idea of splitting up from the group. Now, this has sort of been my dream from like since episode two because right. I, I'm just basically can't stand a lot of the characters anymore, and I was really disappointed that that it sort of strayed away from that. It became like the Kenny show. You know, it was like all of a sudden Kenny's like the guy in charge and it's it's Kenny's plan, you know, and all we're trying to do is just like fulfill Kenny's dream here. And and, and, and whenever the, the, the there's two points where the parent, you know, uh, the parents sort of discussion of the parents come up and there's not even a choice of saying, yes, we'll go find her or, or no, we won't. It's sorry. It's it's over. So that was kind of really disappointing to me. Yeah. Jeffrey brought up a good question. Um, did you lie about Clem being your daughter? Because that seemed like a bigger choice, regardless of what the stat screen says. I just told yeah. the truth for like tell almost everybody this time. Yeah, that that's kind of what I've been doing for for most of the the series. Like did like I've been telling the truth to pretty much everything. Like I want to say that there's something I lied about, but I don't remember what it was now, so it must not have been that important. Mm-hmm. But it's like I've just there's no point in me hiding anything from these people because I mean it's gonna come out eventually. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, just to, just to clarify for a second. So number one, was that an actual choice whether to lie about her being your daughter or not? Was no. that a choice or was it? It was not an but actual. But it should have. Like, well, what do you mean? It, it was a, a dialogue. Yeah, but it wasn't. But one it was the ones they were tracking. It wasn't. It's one of the not tracks. the stat screen yeah, at it was the not end. Tracked. Like, okay. No. Yeah, okay. I, I turned all that off so I didn't know it was being tracked. I don't like the game like telling me being like. It feels like just nudging me in the shoulder and being like, that's important. Right. So, well, I, I prefer... so the other thing that I kind of want to bring up on that particular point about do you lie about Clementine being your daughter? In the, in the, it, over the course of the first four episodes, that question has come up a couple times. And I got to say, I always don't understand how to even answer it because on the one hand, it's like, are you, are you asking me, is she like biologically my daughter? Because it seems like, I mean, I, mean, I guess that's how they're expecting you to take it. And, you know, I say no, but at the same time, it's like, I kind of do feel like she's my daughter in the character of the game. Like, you know, I'm kind of her, you know, adopted father. We take care of each other. We're kind of like a quote-unquote family now. And so it feels a little bit disingenuous of me to say no, because then it kind of feels like uh, I don't care about her that much or, like, I don't really like her that much or this is, this is she's just I'm tagging like, along, you know? This is what I love about Lee. He, even though he's saying no, he always gives, like, a great follow-up response. You know, he, and he always says, even if you say, and you say no, he's like, no, but, we, you know, we found each other. We've been taking care of each other ever since. You know, so so he, the guy still goes along, you know, with you afterwards because he's like, oh, I still, you know, he still, use, you know, it's still like they treat treat it like a daughter because he says, oh, I had a daughter and I really feel for you guys, you know. So I think it it, it ends up being the same response one way or the other, though. Yeah, but it, it, kinda, but it just seems like bullshit yeah. to me to to have to say no to that because it feels emotionally wrong to me. But if they find out later that you lied about it, they're gonna start. I don't know. I don't like lying to people in this game. It sketches me out because they always find but that's out. The thing. I, I don't see it as lying though because you spent four episodes taking care of her. Her parents are like ninety nine point nine percent probably dead. Right. And you know you're you're totally like caring for her and teaching her and raising her. I mean, yeah, maybe not biologically, but I mean, I think that functionally, I think she kind of is your daughter. And I mean, the it's, it's, it's an interesting. It's interesting that you you put so much weight to that. And again, it speaks to the emotional part of the game. I mean, I, I, I say no, but I, yeah, I, I still feel all those things. And I, I never feel like the game holds it against me because, like I said, Lee, Lee does a, a, always a great follow up job of sort of explaining himself. Yeah, I want to briefly. We haven't given. We haven't talked about this that much. But I wanted to give props to the voice actors in the game. There isn't, you know, a lot of photorealism graphics-wise. A lot of the emotion comes from the really good writing and the amazing actors and actresses. And I think that Dave Finoy really brings Lee to life. 
Um, like in a lot of games where there's a conversation tree or different dialogue options, a lot of the conversations don't sound very connected. But his reading of things is just really natural sounding. Um, the girl that plays Molly, Aaron Ash, I thought she was fantastic in this episode. So props to the voice acting a lot in this game. Definitely, yeah. definitely. definitely. So what's what's the next a, choice? What's the? I just uh, want to talk about the line thing just for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sure. Yeah, I feel like this one little thing that bothers me is the game kind of encourages you to be honest because I think it's like trying to teach a moral lesson or something. But you know, it's funny because in real life I'm very honest, but in the game I lied a lot because it's such you have so little in this world. Right. So yeah, but I Jeff, don't... are you being honest about being honest? I don't think you are. <laughs> <laughs> you could be lying right now. I could be, but um, but to me, like you know, in episode three, where it encourages you to tell everyone about your past, I'm like, no, I don't want people. These people have trust in me. I don't want anything interfere with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not relevant anymore. And in this case, you know, the guy had a gun on me. Like to me, it was worth saying anything I could to help to have him go along with me. Um, and I liked it, even though I, I liked him, and he, he's. You know, there's a reaction shot of him being upset when he finds out, but he still acknowledges that, you know, he still says, like, I know you care about that girl, and we can get right. to that part later. But I kind of liked, um, I don't know, I guess I, I just found it kind of, I, I, I kind of liked that I live in this world where you sort of, you're sort of encouraged to lie a lot just to get out of these <laughs> bad situations. But, you know, and, and you know, what's also interesting, I find also is that, you know, a lot of the questions I, I, I'm pretty sure don't play a, a larger role in the outcome of the game. They're just sort of sprinkled throughout, you know, to sort of get you in that decision making mode. Mm-hmm. But and, and a lot of it, the weight of it is ultimately it's just the weight that you put into it, like like Brad was doing to that one question about whether, you know, you call her a daughter or not, you know, so mm-hmm. it's interesting, though. Yeah, I'd highly recommend to anyone who plays these games to turn off the the whatever it is, the default setting where it tells you like what choices are, you know, choices or what's being tracked. It's way better if you have no idea and you're just playing it straight. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I might try that for episode five. I don't think mine is on. Yeah, I never noticed like any difference between. I never know what the big questions are. Yeah. Okay, so maybe it's off. By, I, I thought it was on. Mine, by mine's it, on. It is on by default. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, the first thing I do when I start any video game like ever is I go to the options screen and I see like what what my options are yeah that's a good idea um there was a well what's the next option what's the next choice richard uh the next choice is when you're doing your plan to like raid crawford and Mm -hmm. steal like supplies you need for the boat you have a decision of whether to bring clementine with you on the the heist or to leave her at the house and the the breakdown was 78 percent versus 22 percent brought clementine with them and I also brought Clementine with me, primarily because the other option is leaving her in that house completely alone with a guy that could die <laughs> yeah. and turn into a zombie exactly. at any minute. Totally, totally. It's weird to me, though, because d- earlier in the episode, it seemed like a lot of the choices were Lee scolding Clementine for like being like helpful and fighting, you know what I mean? And then it's uh-huh. it's weird that they kind of encourage you to take her with you. Right. Yeah, I, I was actually praising Clementine for most of the game. Like, anytime she did, like, because there's a scene where um, they're in Crawford, and it's like, 
no lee runs out of bullets or something or he can't shoot a mm-hmm. zombie and she like pops one from right. like right behind him like a perfect headshot i'm like good and she's like kind of scared it's like one of the options is like clem don't do that ever again i'm like what the fuck are you yeah. talking about <laughs> she only had a perfect <laughs> shot on that thing did everybody but next time you should do it faster <laughs> yeah no seriously every... my little sentry gun <laughs> did everybody take her with you with you i, I left her did you wow really yeah yeah no i, I See, I was really surprised that I was in the minority on that. My reasoning was, you know, they've had all this build up to how horrible a place Crawford is. And I have to say the the zombies being, you know, impaled on these things, you know, forever, like really affected me. Like it, it just seemed like such a, an abysmally awful place and they don't allow children. So everyone else there could at least ostensibly, I don't know the population is, so... They probably all know each other, but at least from a distance, if you just see someone from far away, they're not going to stick out. They might just look like a person there. Right. But if you see a child, like, you know, from a mile away, it can be like, what the hell is that child doing there? So to me, it was just, you know, when I thought that it was being run by people, mm-hmm. it just seemed so horribly unsafe for a child. Um, you know, for someone who's noticeably a child who's that small. Yeah. And and also when you don't take her with you, you then are given the choice of whether to give her your gun or not. Oh, which, wow. Which, yeah, so I gave her my gun. So the whole time I'm in I, in uh, Crawford, I'm unarmed. Holy shit. And so, yeah, when you I, – I don't know if that really affected anything. I mean, all the Crawford scenes like you running from stuff or trying I, to – I use my gun a fair amount. There's yeah. some major yeah. gun sequences. I'm, I'm interested. Wait, oh, wait there are – there are sequences where I shot, actually. I can't remember where I got a gun from. Maybe someone gave it to me. Shit, maybe have a second gun. I, I can't remember the details, but you can give Clem a gun, which, you know, my impression was that then I wouldn't have one, but mm-hmm. maybe that didn't happen. But I gave her one, and then when you come back, it's it's quite dispensable because you don't know if she's, you know, if she's going to be okay or not because you feel bad about leaving yeah. her alone. And, and she, so, you know, you're looking around the house for a second, and, and she's there, and she had killed a zombie while just one zombie had wandered in. But she, you know, it's all while you were gone. That's but she awesome. was able to take care of herself. That's cool. Huh. I wonder how the headshot part would have been different in Crawford. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna ask Jeff about that. Um, I don't think I. I when we got I to, I just, when we get to some parts, well, I'll ask. Yeah, I think I just didn't get that scene. Brad was describing that to me, and there were a couple parts that I had to shoot people who were uh, trying to get into a door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, like the old. I was going well, to ask about that later, but when? when oh, okay. Yeah, we'll get to that. But yeah, and there, and then just, and and even for as far as uh, bringing Clementine with me, it's like even like beyond a safety standpoint, from a practical standpoint, there have been, I think, what two or three times where Clementine has just like crawled in like a doggy right, door or yeah. a window right. or something. It's like yeah. some like really small opening that only she can get into. I'm like, you only know, if I go... Richard would be like, I'll use a small <laughs> child for helping me with eyes. Well, yeah. I mean, well, you know, you, even to, to be fair, Lee also even tells that to one of the guys, you know, he's like, she's been helpful, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, sure. and it's like, I mean, if you don't get this stuff back from Crawford, you're going to die anyway. So, I mean, if you, if I mean, if she can help you get this stuff, if she can, like, crawl in a window and open a door or something where you can get, like, the, uh, what is it, the battery, the fuel, and then something else. Like, if she can get you one of those things, then, I mean... Why not bring her with to you? To me, it's dangerous no matter where you are. I'd rather be able to see her. So, like, if something happens to her, I know – you know what I mean? Like, I I want to yeah. be responsible. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's the... the hardest choice because I, I, I feel you on that, Dylan. Like, I was really like, oh, God, what do I do? Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. You can't come. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, it's wow. funny that, yeah, and it wasn't even a hard choice for me, and I did take her, but it, it was not for the reasons everyone's mentioned thus far. The reason I took her was because the, the, there's a, the scene before where he goes off um, uh, with um, Kenny to, to find the boat, you know, she lays this huge guilt trip on you. She's like, didn't you just tell tell, tell, tell me we're going to stay together forever? Right. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, but just this one time, I'm going to go off. So when I came back, I was like, I'm not going to leave her again. I just, like, made this promise to her. I'm not going to break it again. So I just felt like, you know, I got to I just gotta live up to that, you know, before she starts not trusting me. So oh, that's yeah. Why yeah, when you, when you don't take her, like, she walks up the stairs, like, looking really solemn, like, her head sunk down. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't deal with that. I can But I was just, like, I, I to me, it, you know, it, it was just, like, this parenting thing. It's, like, I feel bad. I know she wants to, but it's just dangerous. It's for your own good. I'm sorry. But I, I hated. I felt like I was oh, I'm sorry. right for her. I hated the fact that when when they went off to get supplies, he left her with Ben again, who had already yeah, fucked that, up that, earlier that, on. That, yeah. That, crazy man like i felt like i i got shoehorned into that choice of like having to praise him because last thing i want to do is piss him off and then leave him, right. leave him her. so that really kind of annoyed me but yeah did you bring uh clementine with you brad yeah i did i mean i kind of echo everything you guys said i mean uh, basically the plan was for everybody to sneak into crawford and i was thinking well if we're sneaking in we're successful nobody's going to see her anyway she is smaller so there's been a few times when she's gotten you out of a spot because she can get into a smaller space. And besides that, I mean, you know, I would rather have her with me where I can keep an eye on them. And if any zombies come in, then it's on me to protect her. But I, at least I know where she is rather than leave her behind in the fucking house alone. Like that was yeah, like, but crazy. When we first met her though. She was hiding out in the house alone. Like she, she couldn't, yeah, but that's cause she was she left alone. Low but now that she's not alone. You got to bring her with. Like, I mean, to me, it was like, would I rather have my child with me or would I leave him alone in a house when I may not even come back? I would rather have him, have, rather have him with me. And yeah. so to me, yeah, it was kind of a no-brainer. So it's true. If I had known that it was going to be zombies, I'd be fighting. I would have brought her, but given what you know, all that I'd heard about Crawford, it seemed Very more true. dangerous for her to be there. No, I mean, and believe me, I, I thought for sure there was going to be danger, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time trying to protect her and everything. But like I said, for me, it was about the promise. I was like, a promise is a promise. Yeah, I can't keep yeah, lying to her. Yeah. You know, so definitely. What is the next choice, Richard? Uh, the next choice is when you're escaping Crawford for the uh, – or no, are you escaping Crawford or the house when you're Wait. saved, Ben? I forget which one. You're but escaving, escaping Crawford, right? Crawford, when you're escaping yeah, Crawford. Bell Tower. Yeah, when you're escaping but, Crawford through the uh, bell tower, you have the option of – like Ben falls off of the railing, right? and you have the option of either just leaving him behind and to get eaten by the zombies, or you can save him and bring him with you. I now, there, wait, there, before we second. get into that, yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff that happens. In yeah, there, there's like Ben – you find out that you found out in the last episode that Ben is the one that was giving the bandits the food, which is what triggered the uh, the assault when like Lee found out about it and he stopped giving them supplies. So the bandits attacked the hotel, which is what resulted in Duck getting bitten and all that stuff. And then Ben earlier in the episode also fucks up when he completely abandons Clementine at like this uh, at, at at the face of this oncoming horde of zombies. And Ben is just he's just throughout the entire series has just been kind of this dopey useless character and then it's like you find out that he's done these really like awful terrible selfish things and this one was actually the closest of all five but there's, there's a actually... point where you vote you vote whether to kick to put ben on the boat or not before right. that even happens right right and you fought well was it before that oh yeah so did everybody vote to keep how did you guys vote in that 
I abstained. Yeah, I abstained from the vote because we were like being attacked by zombies right at that moment. So I'm just like, we can't really do this right now. So I voted to keep to save Ben on the boat. Did anybody yeah. else? Oh yeah. What, no, I, I, what were the actual I choices? Was it actually? It was. I know abstain was one. One was kick him out. One was take him with. Right. I think I took him with. But it, but yeah. it seemed like there was more to it than just that. Like, wasn't it like take him with and we can talk later? Or was that the? No, it was those three. It was it was those three. Abstain, take him or. Or say no right then and there. Yeah. But Clementine votes to keep him, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, he Clementine does. If, if you give him the, the oh. choice to, to, to vote, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Which whatever Clem said, I echoed. So she said keep him, so therefore I said keep him. Yeah, yes. that's kind of what I did too. That's what I said. It's so interesting to me that Clem is there for like this whole last third of the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but, uh, and again, well, then there's all this other stuff that we got to get into as well. But but again, I thought that was a, that part was actually pretty hard for me as well. But um, you know, so I'm I'm kind of surprised that everyone's saying all the, the the choices were useless and everything. But I thought that was another a very powerful. No, like, moment. Well, from this, this point of the game on, I thought that it was a really good episode. Go ahead, Richard. Well, I'm sorry. Well, like this one statistically was actually the closest. Like 62% saved Ben and 38% like let him go. So this one was the this one was the closest uh, uh percentage wise. And this one I actually did have to think about a little bit just because like. I, I mean, I honestly thought Kenny was going to kill him anyway. Like, as soon as we mm-hmm. got back to safety, like, he would just, like, flip out and strangle him. Because, like, you know, Ben being the moron that he is, like, tells Kenny about everything, like, in the middle of a zombie attack. And, like, yeah. dude, Ben, come on, just save it for later. So Yeah, and by, by that point, by the way, I was sort of, like, resigned to the fact that Ben is just, like, he's just dead weight. <laughs> Between him, like, taking out the... Um, the hatchet to let the zombies in and then him oh, and then God. when i told him to shut up he wouldn't <laughs> shut up i'm just like this kid is just absolute dead weight. also earlier in the episode he makes like a snarky remark like maybe you're okay with having dead people on your conscience but i'm not or something he's just being an asshole yeah and yeah. i was just so over the whole entire group actually yeah yeah, yeah. although i really well, can, like molly can we, can we talk about the hatchet for a second because yeah. i thought that was another bullshit choice i mean we haven't really we haven't really talked about some of the details. I mean, we, we're kind of running over as it is, but I feel like I feel like in this episode, there were a lot of details I feel like that were kind of glossed over or things that didn't really catch for me. Like when Lee is jumping over a fence, there's ostensibly no way for him to get back out, and yet he does it again, and it's like, well, how did he get back? Right. And the same thing with, like, with the locker that was locked in the hallway. You know, I walk by it a million times, I can't open it, and then all of a sudden I have a note, and it's like it opens without a comment. And I it's think, like, well, I think well, you he got found that a passcode. But there was no, then nothing. Nothing was said about it. It was just like all of a sudden it was unlocked. It wasn't like oh, oh yeah, this I code see. works. I, I mean, I thought that was kind of obvious, but yeah, they should have at least said, oh yeah, I'll use the code that was in that thing. Yeah, yeah there were like, a there was, lot of I, little gaps, gameplay gaps along the way. That that for sure, there were some issues with this episode. Well, and the hatchet. The hatchet was the biggest thing of all because you're walking through that hallway a dozen times back and forth, and there's like a million zombies outside the door, and I kept <laughs> waiting for that glass to break, right? And then so what? Like you leave to go to do something and all of a sudden all the zombies leave and then Ben just takes the axe out of the door? Like that, that, that makes no sense. I mean Ben's a complete retard, but you'd ha- there's no way he would take that axe out, number one. And number two, what happened to all the zombies? It was like they too many things happened that didn't, that didn't add up for me. Like they, they kind of – they took a little too many shortcuts overall. Yeah. yeah, I mean I could buy that the zombies may have just disbanded after you know giving up on this you – know, they probably just thought it was a wall after a while because there were stupid zombies and – like oh wait this doesn't open and probably left but to, to me the my biggest um like my biggest problem with it with the episode or at least the single stupidest thing that i've seen in the series so far was that third videotape 
which had no reason to exist other than they had to shoehorn in some exposition. Yeah, and for a character... Well, I don't know if I agree with that, but... Uh, okay. Uh, my, my question would be, like, why did the, why do any of those tapes exist at all? It's like, especially, like, the one where, uh, uh, where he's, like, videotaping it, and he's, like, and the doctor's just, like, when he's <laughs> talking to um, uh, that woman who's pregnant, and she's just like, I'm sorry, but if there's any evidence that I covered this up, I could be executed. I'm like, then why the fuck are you taping it? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. like, just don't <laughs> tape it. <laughs> Well, they, I mean, they sort of said that they had to videotape it as part of, like, you know, documentation or whatever, you know, I mean. Yeah, but he right. could just, like, make something up. I mean, like, this, like, why would you put it on and then make an excuse about having to tape it? And it's like you're doing this thing that's supposedly, like, con- that has to be confidential. It's like, just don't tape it. Like, just make well, up. I mean, this is Crawford. Later. I mean, they make up their own rules. I mean, yeah, that's just the bottom confident. line. I mean, there, there's not there's not, you know, patient doctor confidentiality involved i mean they tell him he has to document that he has to follow the rules or he's dead i mean so yeah I but just thought... like richard said the next time that the guy checks the videos the doctor's gonna get busted for breaking the rules though you know yeah. i mean it's yeah, I, yeah I kind why, of why does he keep one. yeah just like just fake a tape just like make up a tape later and just like i don't know make up some bullshit about you know how the, the session went and say she left or something or there... just make up some something about like how the camera failed or something like that well, you know the dude isn't exactly the most um morally outstanding guy i mean he's like taking sex from like an evil teenager for medicine you know this guy's not a nice guy i mean he's seems like he's pretty in on the whole thing i mean so but he does he doesn't seem like a complete idiot though oh so. no are you kidding me no what but I, but i'm saying he's not he's corrupt though he's clearly a part of the corrupt system no, 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 he's though. definitely corrupt i'm not saying he's not corrupt i'm just saying like he doesn't seem dumb enough to tape this illegal thing that he's supposedly doing what is he, what's illegal? He's not doing anything illegal. He's giving her a chance to give herself up by the next day or, or take a hike. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing inconsistent about that. Right, but if she, like, if she suddenly, like, skips out or, like, tries to hide it or something, then, I mean, why would you, ta- but, like, the whole thing is, like, why would you tape that at all is what I'm he saying. has to. Because, exactly, you're, you're sort of missing the point, Richard. I mean, he... Uh, I, I, he I, I, I think we're kind of getting lost in the weeds here. I mean, I think, I think, I can see the point from both sides, but I think in general this entire sequence to me felt like it was really kind of shoved in to accomplish the goals of the writer like it felt very unnatural to me i don't know how you guys feel but like when i got to the section about when you need to deal with all these events we're talking about the videotapes getting the the combination for the safe the drugs and all this stuff like all the talking that happens there lee watching the videos all that stuff to me felt like it could have easily been removed and it wouldn't have affected the episode at all like if if they had just come back and said hey we found meds like i wouldn't have I would have been totally okay with that. Like, God part... forbid you put that tape back in a second time. You have to watch it all the way through and you can't skip over it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like when you, if you pick the wrong tape when you're trying to watch the third one, you have to watch like the one you just watched and you can't yeah. stop watching it. There was a question that came up. What happened to Molly in your playthrough? Because oh, apparently man. different things happened to her. And, and it relates to the tape actually as well. well I really wanted to hear first... from she. Yeah, yeah, and – Funny enough about the third tape, I actually screwed up, like, I didn't play the third tape, and I actually had to rewind the game for the first time because I knew that third tape was out there, and so I never kind of got the full story of Molly, and that kind of really bothered me as well, so I actually had to rewind, like, you know, a third of that whole episode and replay that part to play the tape, because I somehow missed the fact that he had three tapes on him. I thought when he said, there's a third tape... And it's right outside. I, I could have sworn he said, and it's right outside the door. So I walked out thinking it, it was like, what, what does that mean? You know, like, is it on the floor or something? And then by that time, 
you know, the whole thing, you get swept up into a whole zombie you know, chase thing and it's gone. So then right. I realized I had to go back because I really wanted to, you know, find out what happened with Molly exactly. But um, going back to the, um, the so what was your, your issue was that you just thought the whole thing was contrived or something? Well, my yeah. issue with the, with the third tape is the first two I can kind of understand, like it might be the rule that they have to like tape their sessions. But the third one, like, the opening shot is him, like, zipping up his pants right, and, right, like, and yeah, then, like, yeah. giving this woman drugs. And it's, like, he's not even videotaping a, a, a patient <laughs> session. He's specifically videotaping him engaged in a criminal activity. <laughs> Why right, is right. he filming this? Well, he could I have, think- like... He could have, like, hit the button wrong, which seems to be that was the case, because if he was trying to record the sex, he got it wrong, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. I could try no, I, I, to I, and I totally way, hear like, it. It's a little bit it's contrived. It's clunky, yeah. It's a little clunky, but, worked, you know what but again, there's a lot of parts that are clunky overall. What what I did appreciate in general, I, I actually kind of liked the way that they were sort of revealing parts of this stuff through the videotape. I thought it was a little bit, you know, creepy, voyeurish, and you know, strange, and I kind of like, who's Anna, you know, and then, you know, you, you got the videotapes, so you're kind of watching, I, I found the whole dynamic kind of interesting, did, did I, did I, did I appreciate the fetch quest, no, but you know what, the whole game, the whole, in terms of an actual gameplay, I thought it was relatively smooth overall, like, I actually didn't get stuck in any of the, any of the sequences, unlike most of the other episodes, I actually kind of like, would get stuck here and there, but in this game, it kind of just flowed through well enough. I mean, even if the parts were all clunky and didn't quite fit. But yeah, and I hear what you're saying in terms of the actual story. Yeah, if you really want to think about it, it's like, yeah, why is he videoing this? But, you know, that's that's how it goes, I guess. Well, it could have worked if it had been like a, a security tape. I think that would have been a lot more affecting, like a black and white, you know, taken from the corner without sound. And right. then you just seen it like pantomimed, you know, of him like, you know, I mean, even they showed the sex or maybe like, you know, a silhouette of it or something, like him actually doing it and then her, like, getting the drugs and then, then like, you know, getting into an argument. Like, that could have... Mm-hmm. They could have well, still know, told the story in a way that wasn't, like, as stupid. I mean, it's a fairly minor point overall, but it was something that, like, the second I saw it, I'm just like, oh, come on. Well, just to follow up on that, I think it's really interesting that it's not even a choice. Like, whether you talk to Molly about what you saw on the tape, it's not even one of the recorded choices. And it doesn't really matter either way, from what I can tell, because she leaves you at the end of the episode regardless. So it's like, why... It, the whole thing, to me, felt like a really, really clumsy way of trying to add in a little bit more backstory uh, to, to Molly, just, just for the sake of having it. Like, it totally felt like it stuck out yeah. to me. And honestly... You know, when Molly's beating the shit out of that doctor zombie and, you know, clearly something is going on, like you don't just rail on a zombie like that. I mean, you know, something's happening. And to me, like from a writer's perspective, I would have been totally fine not knowing what that was about. Her saying nothing or, you know, it's just somebody I used to know or whatever and just dropping it like it's okay to not have every single fucking thing in the game explained, you know, like in real life, you don't always get an explanation for everything. And then, I mean, you know, I get like they were trying to make her more human or to kind of make you have this decision point, but it wasn't even a decision point, and it was really, to me, just felt so awkward. So, you know, you know what's interesting, Brad? Also, you could have actually gotten that experience by not watching the third tape because that's what happened to me. And basically, the conversation you have with her, where you can accuse her of lying, that conversation never takes place, and hmm. and it gets a little awkward at the end because then you're hugging, you know, you're kind of hugging her at the end before she leaves, and everything. And you're like wondering why they so close all of a sudden without having sort of that big reveal. I don't know. Yeah, 
it unfolded differently for me. I was very curious. I really wanted to know. I thought Molly was a fairly interesting character, and and that whole thing with when she was railing on the zombie, I really just felt like I wanted to know, and I got the answer. So it was a little clunky, but I I felt satisfied by the answer in my at the end for me. Before we talk about saving Ben, I just want to say quickly that that fight scene on the stairs where you're chopping zombies in the back of the head, and then the one zombie grabs your shotgun and you shoot him. That was the coolest zombie fight for me of the whole series. That was a good sequence. Yeah, that yeah. was cool. We kept like yeah. foot stuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah com- combat wise, I think that was the best they've done yeah. so far. Yeah. So yeah, I actually did appreciate how they used combat in this. It's the first time where they had a little of this in the third game where the combat was actually like a mechanic. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what I was just alluding to before, how like gameplay wise it, it flowed through better than some of the other games. But yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then Ben's Ben's fallen and you you have a hold of him by your hand and he's saying to let him go. The zombies are approaching. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons that if they had done this in a different way, I think it would have been okay. Like, if Ben was, like, sacrificing himself so, like, we could get away. But it's, like, the zombies are, like, you've killed enough of the zombies that the zombies are, like, two flights of stairs down. So, I mean, it's easy to save Ben in this situation. He's just being a fucking idiot again. Yeah, and it's just, and another (laughs) thing, another, like, minor point is, like, there are at least, like, two or three times in in this episode where... Like, someone is hanging off a ledge, and, like, the person holding on to them just, like, pulls their entire body up with, like, one arm. Mm-hmm. Like, Molly pulls Lee up with, like, just <laughs> right. her right arm. It's like, okay, Lee is, like, one and a half times the size of you, so you're lifting him up with, like, one arm, like, while he's hanging off a ledge. And then, like, Lee does the exact same thing to Ben when he pulls him up. I just... It, it, well, it, speaking, speaking of impossible things, I'm sorry... I really don't think you can fucking carry a car battery in your fucking backpack. Those things weigh like a hundred fucking While pounds. While jumping dude. from rooftop to rooftop. Yeah, like, and she's like, she weighs like a hundred pounds herself. That battery probably weighs more than she does. She's like, oh, let me stick this in my fucking backpack. Doink. And she just like goes Spider-Man up the wall. Like, what the fuck? Dude, those things are heavy. You cannot. Put... I was like, dude, dude. And that to me, like completely broke my immersion for like two seconds. That was awful. Yeah, that was, that was weird. But it's like. I, there's no, there's very little reason not to save Ben there, unless you just want to kill him and be done with it. Did there. everybody save Ben? Yeah, I, I, did. I did save him, knowing that I would probably need a meat shield for something. In <laughs> so it's like having someone who's willing to sacrifice himself so everyone can get away is always useful. This is scary, dude, because I think in this episode you and I have agreed more on our choices more than any other episode. Because I, I, I saved him for almost the exact same reason. I'm like, dude. You've been a fuck up and I think you deserve a second chance. But if you really want to die, die for a cause, die for a purpose and don't die right here in the fucking stairwell or whatever it is. And like and honestly, you guys, that was so fucking cliche. Like it was really painful. I mean, just the whole you're grabbing him and, he's, you know, let me go. And all. I mean, right. dude, like a million movies have done that. It's so fucking cheesy and stupid. I just it was it was too cheesy to, to participate in that. So I had to pull him up man. it was just dumb. <laughs> That's funny. I was I, I, I was the exact. Oh, so, sorry, G. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was the exact same way. I saved him because for a second it seemed like it was going to be this scripted thing where he's like, no, let me go. And then he's like going to redeem himself by, you know, saving the group. And it just seems so cliched and stupid. So, yeah, that was just me, like, not wanting to the script to go that, mm-hmm. you know, to be that cliched. And, and also, like Richard said, it, there was no real convincing reason to let him go at that point. Oh man, I, I let him go, man. Did you? Yeah, really? oh. I did. And um, I gotta say, first of all, that was the hardest, one of the hardest decisions for me, leading up 
in the entire series, actually, leading up to that point, simply because I knew it was coming, first of all. And he had fucked up so much that, you know, I was like borderline ready to put a bullet in his head, in his head <laughs> myself. But yet at the same time, I've always tried to live. I still try to play the game, you know, from a from a moral high standpoint. Like I've always at the end of the day, I'm not going to kill anybody. I'm not I'm going to try to do the right thing. And I literally had to shut off my brain as the decision was happening. I, it kind of like went in slow mo for me, man. Like and I just basically told I basically had to step out of myself and just hit the button that said, let him go. Because I knew like, you know, I was just, you know, first of all, I knew Kenny, you know, was going to kick him out one way or the other. It just wasn't working. You know, like I said, I had already started hating both him and Kenny to begin with. So here's like my first opportunity to break ties with this guy. I don't know if what he actually wanted or not um, made played in, in, uh, influenced my decision at the time because it was mostly my decision. I certainly didn't appreciate that Kenny was giving me that look like, yeah, let him go, fucker. You know? <laughs> so I, I hated the fact that I was doing Kenny's, once again, doing Kenny's wishes. That fucking bothered me. It was a hard decision for me. In the end, like I said, I had to almost step out of myself just to push the button. Well, I kind of yeah. wish that Kenny had come back in and just pulled Ben up himself. That would have been cool to me. Or something like it was just so mm. predictable. But there was no way he was going to yeah, do that. Yeah, I know. He, if, he just found out that he was responding. He wanted to kill him himself at that and point. And you kept saying, Ben, come on. He's like, no, let me die. If he just said it one more time, I probably would have dropped his ass. But I, I pulled him back up. So anyway, but that was interesting that – so I, I can totally see where you guys are coming because it just seemed like the right thing to do. It's, you know, it's the cliche thing. It's not – it's the anti-cliche right. thing. But yet somehow I was able to fight that in myself and just let him go. And I, I will say the saving grace of that was once again, Lee saves me by – when he has to explain it to Clementine afterwards because they have this awkward conversation afterwards. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, did that happen? You know, what did you say? And – and I, you know, and, and and Lee thankfully has a good response in that he wanted to let, you know, he said he wanted to save us, so I let it, I let it happen, you know, and it was a great, and you know, well acted again, delivered well, so that kind of made it all right for me again at the end of the day. But I actually did have a really hard time with that, even feeling comfortable with it afterwards that I let him. Go. I'm shocked yeah. that you. I'm shocked people. too. I'm totally yeah. shocked, man. Yeah, like I don't even fold. know you, dude. I expect that from Richard, <laughs> but not you, Chief. Yeah, like I said, and, and it was it was this it was this total buildup. It was the fact that like I I I kind of wanted to part ways with him already. I was so sick of him and right. him and his whining. He didn't listen to a single fucking thing I wanted him to do. <laughs> he told yeah. Kenny at like the worst fucking time. Kenny wants him gone. He's gonna be gone. You know, like all these things were running in my head. Like I said, I knew the decision was coming, and when it happened, I was just like fuck. You know, and I just like I said, I just sort of had to turn off my brain and just push the button. Yeah, just well. Remember, my reasoning for saving him was just like, you know, I if someone's gonna sacrifice themselves, do it later. Like, do it when it's more useful. I'm like, right, I'll keep yeah. you around just yeah. for that. Yeah, I, I thought it was useful enough. I mean, yeah, sure, there was the save him option, but whatever. You know, there, as you see in this game, you know, a, a fresh body is never useless. <laughs> Distract <laughs> some. That's even the, the same in the TV show. You see how it goes. You know, Shane popped that guy just to get away. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers what? for that. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, well, we're in a spoiler thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, spoil okay. the show. But do you guys want to move on to the the bite the bite part? We probably yeah, should. We're running yeah. really late, yeah. and there's going to be okay. probably a lot to talk okay, about. Okay, so Lee gets yeah. Lee gets bitten yeah. basically. Yes, Lee gets bitten, and at the very end of the episode, Lee gets bitten, and you have the decision of whether or not to show the bite to tell people if you've been bitten, to tell the group if you've been bitten and are going to die and turn into a zombie in a fairly short amount of time. And 80% of players showed them the bite, as opposed to 20% who didn't. I 
I showed the group the bite because honestly, they're going to find out eventually anyway. Like they're either going to look at my arm or I'm going to start being sick and people are going to start wondering if I've been bitten. And on top of that, that puts Clementine in danger. Well, Clementine wasn't there, but it's like that puts everyone else in danger. So because if I turn before I you know realize I'm turning and like wind up biting people. So I just I just went ahead and told him. I didn't because I was afraid Kenny was going to fucking shoot me from behind or something. <laughs> did, did, did everybody else show him the bite? I did not. I, I did not. Wow, Brad. Yeah, that surprised me. I also did not. Really? Yeah, I, well, I wanted them. I wanted everyone to help me find Clementine. Yeah, yeah. That was. Really? Because, like, everyone came with me even though I showed them the bite. Well, let's, let's, let's step back for one minute. I, I, I have to say this. Lee getting bitten the way that he got bitten was the fucking stupidest thing in the entire fucking series. Really disappointing. That was so fucking stupid. It was that, so That was stupid. sort of par for course for this episode where, like, yeah, how do you not see that zombie? Oh, just my right God. It was like a, like a garbage bag. There's, like, a, an entire zombie crouched silently behind one fucking garbage bag. How do you not well, he fucking was, see he that? He was so preoccupied with trying to find Clementine. He just you see know, Clementine's he, hat. He was, and I I get that's what they were trying to do. Like, here's the hat. I'm gonna reach for the hat. But dude, the zombie right next. To, uh, yeah, that's there was a million. There was a million fucking ways he could have been bitten that would have made way more sense. That would have been way more dramatic rather than. Doo, 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 oh, I'm gonna. Rip. Oh shit! Like, what? Yeah. Got, oh, I just. It was awful. It was. Wait, awful. I'm disappointed he was bitten in general. Jeffrey, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I interrupted. No, go ahead. Um. Yeah, no, I had a question about that, because I, I went straight for... I saw that there was an examine prompt, but I thought, no, that's the kind of thing I would do in an adventure game. If I'm really role-playing this character, I'm not going to, like, stop him. Because usually when you examine something, just like, it's a garbage bag, right. you know? So I'm like, no, I'm not going to stop and examine everything. I want to I wanna get the walkie-talkie. Uh, could you actually see the zombie? I didn't examine I thought, it, I don't think. I didn't examine it either. I talked yes, to somebody who did examine it, but I thought I thought you had told me you examined the garbage chef. You didn't do that? No, no, I didn't examine it. But are you saying like the zombie was visible in that shot, or you're just no? You're I'm just I'm saying it's retarded enough. that you couldn't you couldn't see the zombie. I I talked to somebody who did examine the garbage first, and they said that if you examine it, then you get bitten when you examine it. If you don't examine it, you get bitten when you reach for the hat. So you get bitten either way. Right, it makes but it's more like, sense if you get bit. I'm sorry. It does. Me. That does actually make more sense, but. <laughs> why the first of all? Why the fuck is the zombie in the garbage? <laughs> the well, zombies yeah. you the zombie, take two zombies steps to the left. Yeah, <laughs> you couldn't take two steps to the left and see that there was a fucking entire zombie behind that thing. Like, dude, that was stupid. I'm just disappointed so, that he got bitten in the first place. That's a bummer. Yeah, it seems like that would like if they were going to do that, it'd be something they do at the beginning of the fifth episode. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing. I thought the timing of it was really awkward. It was like yeah. it was like double cliffhanger between that and the way that it ends, which I'm sure we're going to mention in a yeah. second. But yeah, it was weird. Um, what's, what's also it, interesting is that it's kind of a very light, fleshy wound. It wasn't like he took a big chunk of him either. Right. So I wonder like how infected is he really? You know. Oh, that's but, a good point. Interestingly, my wife, um, she you know, she's like, "Why was there not an option to cut your arm off? Like that should have been an option. Like you oh. couldn't." You know, it's a it's like on the wrist or whatever. It's a really shallow wound. People nearby, somebody could have helped him out. You know, get a belt around there. I don't know. It seemed like that was that should have been an option. I was kind of surprised. Maybe it, wasn't. it will be still. So, yeah. I just well, wanted to say, not if it gets in his bloodstream. Yeah. But go ahead, yeah. Yeah. I just want to say, like, I it sounds like a lot of you didn't like it. I really liked. It was probably my maybe my second favorite mode of the episode because you know, for one, I did go straight for the the walkie-talkie, so it didn't seem I wasn't thinking about the garbage. So to me, it 
you know, it did seem like that could happen. Like this was, you know, Lee at his most distracted right. um, in an emergency. And I like that it wasn't him doing something epic, like saving someone. It was him just being careless for like a moment in a totally, you know, totally non-eventful. You know, he gets hurt in a very non-eventful way, like people do. And um, and I like that it happened in episode four, because I, I would have expected him, or wouldn't, I would at least would not have been surprised for him to die at the episode end of episode five so for that to happen as early as it did was like really shocking and um and i'm sure brad and i will talk about well, that, that's a good point and they've done a good job of throwing things at you that you don't expect and that aren't typical of a lot of like zombie games so i can appreciate it I, it's just it bums me out because i like lee a lot as a character oh me too and and i but i thought it was i thought it was great that it not great that it happened to him but I thought it was an affecting moment for me as well. I, what I didn't like was just these magically appearing zombies, which, again, it wasn't the first time. Right. The, the second worst part in the game, where where you're trying to climb up for the second time to to the to the garage, and the, the zombie appears. And this one's even more hilarious because you don't even have to kill him. Something <laughs> magically appears out of the sky and kills him, which I thought was like the second most stupidest thing ever in the game. But um, yeah, I was like, what the hell was that? Something falls on his head, and then they don't even explain it. Move, let's moving on, you know. It's like moving on, moving <laughs> on. And and that's sort of par for of course for the entire game. In that, uh, I, overall, I thought like when you think about the individual set pieces, you know, in terms of like the boy, you know, the boy in the attic, you know, um, and you know Molly, what Molly had to go through as as a story, you know, regardless of the videotapes and and then like Lee getting bin, all that stuff, I thought was you know consistent with the series. It was just for some reason the execution on this one episode was just all over the place, you know, and then yet somehow the game play was fine it flowed well, through well. the so thing was episode. sorry lee i mean sorry uh, Chi. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing was last episode episode three had so many major moments major characters dying this one i think just it, it wasn't as i don't know it was flat yeah i mean that's how it felt it was just I don't like know. compared I don't to the that, but, but this, it's like compared to the high of episode three and this is actually kind of where i think the comics are at too is like after this really really high like emotional intense thing and it just it kind of goes like on this downward plane then you know that's to be expected i mean nothing's going to be you know you're not going to keep that intensity up after episode three for like the entire thing but this one just felt well just so comparatively dull the thing is i complained in episode three they were killing off too many major characters so i'm not pleased either way apparently i still love this series but what's interesting about this episode is that depending on i don't know what it depended on but different characters could choose to come with you at the end i I, see i was under the impression that no matter what you did the ending was still kind of the same but for me now i'm stuck just with fucking ben it's me and ben and that's it so i I wish i had killed ben now exactly exactly oh well to to, to frame it though i mean so the actual choice it's kind of like a two-parter choice right at the end so it's like do you reveal or is it or is it a separate choice, Richard, or is it is it part of the same choice? Uh, I think it's sort of like all the same sequence. Like the first one, like the one that they track, the major one is like, or the one on the list anyways. Like, do you show the bite or you don't show the bite? And then, and then who are you after, with, or who did like, you take with you? Right? Yeah, there's like different combinations, like people you can take with you. It's like you can take everyone with you, which is what I did, and you can take just Lee. Like you can have just Lee go look for Clementine. You can have like just Lee and Ben. You can have Lee and Kenny. Uh, there's different there's different combos of like your team for that. I'm interested how everybody ended up and how, what, what factor that 
what factors that in? Like, how does it? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go through it one at a time because this is kind of a. I think it's going to be a really big deal in the next episode. So, Richard, how did you choose? And then we'll just go through everybody. Uh, I took everyone, which was uh, like I had Ben alive, so I had uh, Ben, Krista, Kenny, and uh, Omid. So I had everyone I could possibly have, and the reason for that is. The, the episode ends with like that guy on the radio taunting you again. Like he's saying like, you know, I've got Clementine and it's like, you know, the scene just cuts to black with like Lee looking at the radio and you don't know what you're walking into in that situation. Like it could be one guy, it could be a group of guys. It could be like, you know, 20 guys. You honestly don't know what is on the other end of that radio. So the way I'm thinking, I need as many people as I can get, you know, I've got, you know, two people, you know, three pretty capable shooters in Lee, Kenny, and Krista. You know, I've got Omid. He can, you know, be make crappy one-liners or whatever it is that he does. And, like, Ben can be my meat shield. Like, I can throw him at zombies if I need to. So it's like, I've got a pretty good team to go look for Clementine. I would have loved all three, but the only one that went with me was Ben. I didn't have much of a choice, I don't think. Now, why was that, Dylan? What what happened there in your particular sequence? Kenny was like, fuck you. You never looked out for me. And I was like, no, fuck you. And then Krista was like... <laughs> You know, we, we have to look out for ourselves, which, by the way, Mike, kudos on predicting that Krista's pregnant. I'm pretty sure she is now. So, Mike, yeah, I they totally, totally, totally. But, yeah, I don't know. Ben was the only one that went with me. And I was like with Ben, it was like uh, Clementine stuck up for you. So now you stick up for Clementine. And he was like, OK. OK. All right. So, Chi, what did you pick? This, it's pretty interesting. So, like I've been saying, I've kind of over the group, although I don't hate Krista and Omid. I'm still kind of like I'd just love to be by myself at this point. Mm-hmm. So I did show him the show him the um, the wound, uh, and then afterwards I said, Look, "This is something I got to deal with myself." Uh, Krista and Omid sort of say, "You know, Clementine's our responsibility too. You know, we're in this together." So I'm like, "Fine, you want to come? All right, come." And then. You know, Kenny lays that line on you, how you're not always there. And I was like, oh, this fucking guy, man, I can't believe this motherfucker. <laughs> and for some reason, I didn't pick the fuck you option the first time because I thought I would still have the option of leaving him by picking something else. But then he takes him and he's like, he still decides to come. He's like, oh, you know, at the end, you did shoot duck for me and I appreciate that. So I'm coming. So funny thing. Remember, oh. I, I, and I, re- I had to rewind the game to get the, the Molly story. The second time I did it, I was like, fuck you, Kenny. And he takes off and leaves. So I, I'm now just with Omid and Krista. Uh, and uh, and as I as and I also dropped, what's his name? Uh, ben. You dropped Ben down the stairs. <laughs> Again, <Okay. laughs> uh, twice. All right, Jeff, what did you pick? Um, so, you know, as I said, I didn't tell anyone about the bikes. I, For me, my number one priority above all else was to rescue Clementine. So I wanted to, to bring everyone because, you know, strength in numbers and all that. Um, the only hitch was Kenny was saying he wouldn't go if if Ben did come. And I can't remember the three options or if there even were three options. But, like, it seemed like I had to pick a side there. And I, I told Ben, sorry, but I need Kenny with me on this one. Just because even though Kenny's really unhinged, the guy can fight. I mean, he's, he's muscle. <laughs> You know, he's muscle, um, he's, he has a little bit more know-how about survival, and yeah, so. Just pray he doesn't turn the gun on you next episode, that's all. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting, interesting. Well, so for me, I did not reveal my bite, and I gotta say, out of the whole episode, this was, this was one of the times when I was like, hmm, I, I'm not really sure which way to go on this one, I was really hemming and hawing, but I didn't show the bite, number one. Because honestly, at that point, I didn't trust Kenny enough not to blow me away. Like as soon as I showed it, 
I think if it was if Kenny hadn't have been there for whatever reason, I think I might I might have shown it. Mm-hmm. But with Kenny having the hair trigger before and without really feeling much of a bond between mostly Krista, but also Krista and Omid, I didn't feel like I really had the unity of the group. I didn't have a lot of trust in the group as a whole. And Ben, you know, he's kind of a waste. So it's like I, I have no idea what's going to happen. If it was the original group, I probably would have said it no problem. But now it's like, uh, I don't think so, you guys. So I didn't say anything. And I took nobody with me. I went solo. Wow. And, uh, uh, the choice for that was 6% of everybody chose my choice of not telling and going alone. And the reason I went alone um, partly was because of a sense of responsibility to the rest of the group. Um, I, Part of me as a writer was thinking, okay, this is going to be really awkward because you know they've shown that people don't last that long when they get bitten. How is Lee going to make it through an entire episode that's going to – they're going to have to really blur the lines on that. But also – I didn't want to have, you know, I didn't want to turn and bite, you know, Omid and Krista or Ben or, you know, any of those guys. And I'm like, uh, the timing wise, it seems like I should have taken them, but it, I didn't want to put the rest of the group at risk. But like I couldn't tell them. So I thought uh, all things being equal, I'm going to go by myself and knowing that this is an actual video game and they're not going to end the episode five minutes after I pay for it as a DLC. I'm assuming that Lee's going to make it to the end. So I'm, I can probably choose this and know that I'm going to get the full experience. So I kind of like fudged, I made like a little meta decision there, but that's the way I swung. Makes sense. And I'm wondering how different the next episode will be for everybody with different people now. Yeah. I'm really curious about that now. Sure. Did it, uh, uh, go ahead, Brad. Well, I was just going to say, honestly, I, I suspect that there's going to be some reason to get the group back with me sooner rather than later. Yeah. I, I have a really hard time thinking that they're going to be able to branch things out. I mean, you know, swapping Carly for Doug is one thing because it's basically the same. You just have different dialogue. But to have one whole branch be all solo and one whole branch be a group seems to me like a much bigger piece of work. Mm-hmm. So I suspect the group's going to be like, oh, we changed our mind. We're going to come with you or something yeah. in episode five. So, um, but At the same time, though, Brad, those are still very different tracks. I mean, you know, like the whole story um, with what's her name? Not Carly. Molly. Molly. No, no, no. Um, the the um, Krista. Krista. No, no. The one either Doug or. Yeah, it's Carly. Yeah, it's oh, Carly. Oh, Carly, Carly. Sorry. I mean, you know, you know, there's all there's there's like practically a budding romance between Carly and Lee. So if you pick Doug, that whole story goes away. So it's pretty dramatic. You know what I mean? Like. I I hear what you're saying, but I I don't know. I, I my gut feeling is that I don't think they're gonna. I mean, I may be wrong, but I think that they're not gonna let you go solo that whole episode. I I just I, don't I, I, I would really be, sorry. Go ahead, Richard. I was going to say, I don't think they're just going to write Kenny out of it because I think there's like there's a lot of conflict with Lee there. Kenny's got Kenny still has an arc, an ongoing arc, and I just don't think they're just going to cut that out for episode five. Like he's going to come back in some way. <laughs> the ongoing arc is when's he going to blow his own brains out? Exactly. It's like yeah, there's, not, there's not much else going on there. I mean, he's got no family left. He's got this pipe dream of just taking a boat out to the middle of nowhere which is well, exactly. why like that which is what, what the main like i said this kills me about this one episode is like you're just sort of following kenny's nonsense dream of nothing basically but um yeah. but I, I it would really upset me as well because i finally got that decision that i've been wanting since after you know after episode two where i've been trying to like cut ties with kenny i finally cut ties with him and I, that'd be pretty upsetting to me if like for some reason he comes in like like he's fucking Chow Yun Fat at the end of <laughs> tomorrow, you know, saving the day, you know, and shit, you know. But whatever. But he's like, I, I don't know. He he just seems to me it's like he's on this very self-destructive path. Like he's gonna he's gonna do something in episode five. Like I think he even if you don't take him with him, but I think Brad is 
at least partially right. I like, I think at least some of them will show up, um, especially Kenny, just cause he's, he's the only one that's him and Clementine are the only ones that have still been there since episode one. So, yeah. yeah. I never got the impression that the people you're saying goodbye to are going to be gone for the rest of the series. I assume that you'll reunite, you know, back at the house or something. Because originally it just seemed like we're going to go, you know, nab Clem. And even though she's not there, it just seems like, I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be some kind of reunion. I mean, it's be... one more episode left in the, in the season. But yeah, I mean, it's it's going to end one way or the other, though. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, seriously. I mean, they, they, they gonna... can only end one way, so... They're not going to party in the house, you know, for another couple of episodes after that. So even even right. if they're all still alive, doesn't mean they're necessarily together in some ways. True. Well, let, let's let's jump so ahead. Let's... I mean, we're we're way super 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 over time, but there is still one really huge question left to answer. And Jeff and I have talked about this at length, but I think it would be really interesting to talk about. So the last thing that happens in this episode is that you know Clementine's gone. That's what you know. That's what happens after you get bitten. Is you you're looking for her, mm-hmm. and then. You find the walkie-talkie, and you hear this the, the male voice that you heard earlier uh, in the season. And, you know, I, I forget what it was like, but it was like, we've got Clementine or something. Does anybody know what they say exactly in that last dialogue it, piece? It's like, we have Clementine, and then, like, depending on... I think it depends on what you have Lee say to that person, but then the voice on the radio is like, you def- it's like you want to choose your words more carefully next time. And there's, like, a horde of zombies walking outside the house. Yeah, so they don't... I think that that little piece of writing is going to be pretty crucial because it's going to lead into who those people or a person actually is. But, you know, I, I think I think honestly, they kind of went to the well too often with this thing. I didn't like that as a mechanic in the first place. Um, and then to, to go to it again as the as the cliffhanger a second time felt kind of weird. I really was kind of hoping we'd resolve that sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know. So Jeff and I kind of have a pet theory. I'll let Jeff explain that in a minute. But what do you guys think is going to happen? Who Who is that voice? Who, what do you think is at the other end of that walkie-talkie? I, I know your theory, Brad, and my counter theory is sort of plays off yours. So I'll let. Okay. So hold, yeah, else. hold on. Chi, yeah, I'll you let think? you go first. I honestly have no freaking idea because there was that there was that shadow figure that was that appears a couple of times throughout the the episode as well. I suspect it's that shadow figure. Um, that clearly wasn't Molly, but um, I mean that's one of the things I did appreciate about the episode. I really still have no idea where any of this is going. I thought there would be more resolution with the parents, but obviously that didn't happen, and they kind of steered you know steered it in this one way, and uh, so I really have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea who that person is, and that's kind of a, a a good thing in my mind as far as the story goes. Well, Dylan, what about you? I'm irritated they set up the cliffhanger and then didn't resolve it in this episode, first of all. Second of all, I'm with Chi. I, don't, I have no idea. I, I assume it's going to be an as-yet-introduced character that we don't know yet. But I'm interested to hear this pet theory. Jeff, you want to... You wanna, uh, before Jeff gets into the theory, I just want to say I really think that the, that Telltale has set the bar too high on this one. I think that the potential for failure is higher than it's ever been anywhere else in the other four episodes. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's gimmicky, and I think that to have this big reveal... Based on what we know of the show so far, it I, I feel like they're really, really walking a tightrope, and I'm I am genuinely afraid that it's gonna just completely crash at the end. But anyway, Jeff, take it away. Okay, well well like Brad, I was also really concerned about this because having like a shocker twist or, you know, someone stalking them seems really not in keeping with what the series is about and all these, you know, more realistic decisions. It seemed like whatever they pick is going to be really contrived. Mm. So, you know, Brad and I were, were talking about this and basically I just shot out a lot of theories until we 
we could come until I found one that actually fit. Um, so, you know, initially I just figured, I don't know, maybe it's just some bandit who just wants her to come to, you know, to be a bartering tool, you know, just hold her hostage to get resources. And then we were like, well, that's anticlimactic. It could, it could just be some, you know, pedophile creep who hurt a girl on the other end. But the problem with these theories is that Clem's been hiding this from you. And she's been, you know, she's gotten very close to Lee over this time. So why would she trust a stranger over a walkie-talkie rather than Lee? Mm -hmm. And at one point she says that this person is a friend. And remember, her parents are in Savannah. So I think that the person on the other end is a family friend. And the reason why they're acting so um, malevolent right now is because they know who Lee is. They probably got in touch with Clem, and she described the man she's with. And if you remember the beginning of the series, Lee was, his case was at least moderately publicized. Mm -hmm. Like, Larry knew who he was. His name's been in the papers. So whoever this person is does care about Clementine and knows that she's with a convicted killer and is advising her to keep that between them. So as far as they know, you're just like this creep. Then why so, why is he still taunting Lee over the walkie-talkie if he's got? See, Clem? well, I have to. I wish I could hear the dialogue again. Was he really taunting Lee, or just, he, or I, exactly. is it a big miscommunication? And I, you know, it came off to me as as taunting. Like like even in the third episode, like it came off as a very sort of playful tone from the guy on the radio. So. I mean, I, I I'll, I'll, I'll talk about I'll talk about that more often. I agree. I think I think that they intend. I think the creators intended that way. But I think that when you actually look at the what what the dialogue actually is, and I think I think they're going to fudge it. I think that when you get to the end, if this turns out to be the correct theory, they will make it out to be as if oh well we didn't mean it that way or mm -hmm. we weren't trying to sound malevolent. Like they're kind of they're going to kind of right, retcon right. a little bit. But right. I, like Jeff says, I think. The only way that we, the two of us, could come up with a theory that worked was to have this be like one of those classic situational misunderstandings where Lee thinks the voice on the walkie-talkie is like a pedophile or they're evil. Right. The voice on the walkie-talkie thinks that Lee's a convicted killer and Clem is with them. So they want to try to – like each one is a good guy, but each one thinks the other one is a bad guy. And so they're kind of like at odds even though they probably would be on the same team. And it's just like this giant misunderstanding. Um, I, I, I do feel like it's kind of a stretch given the situation – um, and especially with the, the the shadow chasing them, I mean, I think anybody tailing anybody in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, pretty questionable if that's a doable thing. But he did but, tell him to get out of the way when the zombies were coming, when the bell was ringing. So he was looking out for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's the thing that I think kind of lends credence to that theory. So, mm. I, I mean, it kind of makes sense. And as far as we, as far as our imaginations go, this was the least contrived, most sensible thing we could come up with. But, I mean, we're probably going to be wrong, and it's probably going to be something totally weird and wonky. So, <laughs> well, Richard, Brad, what was, was that? Just real quick, though, Brad also brought up a really good point that Lee's dying. So what's going to happen to Clem? Oh, yeah, So yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. That, that Lee would be reuniting Clem with people that she knows would, would also tie everything together. Because, so just you know, Lee's, yeah, Lee's going to die regardless, right? So the only way this can happen, Kenny can't take care of her. Ben can't take care of her. Omid and Krista might be able to, but I don't really feel like that's gonna it's gonna swing that way. So I, my thought was that Lee's gonna get really sick. He's gonna rescue Clem. Or he's gonna reunite with her. Something's gonna happen. He's gonna drop her off with this voice who ends up being an uncle or a family friend or something like that. Clem is with somebody who can genuinely take care of her. Lee, you know, his duty is relieved. He's a hero and he dies heroically. People are gonna be sad, but still feel good that he got his job done. So it kind of it kind of all kind of brought it together because you know Lee's dying regardless, no matter what, right? Mm. So, 
So if, if it goes this way, will you be disappointed or will you be happy? I'll be happy because I can't think of any other way that they can do this. It won't be even more contrived. This is <laughs> yeah, like part of the yeah. most sensible thing we could think of, even if you know the voice is a little more menacing. Or he did say that he has he has he has her parents though. He's with her parents, so why wouldn't he put the parents on the? I don't know. It's an interesting theory. Yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, I I was against the walkie-talkie thing in general, and I I'm with Jeff. I mean, what Jeff said, this to me was the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, it makes I really sense. don't want to see the series crash and burn at the end, and. Uh, I'd be happy if it happened that way because it would make sense, but who knows? What's, so. Richard, what's your counter theory? Uh, my counter theory is one, and the reason I don't think it's a quote-unquote family friend is like we were talking about before. It's like the guy on the radio is taunting Lee. He does That doesn't come off as like concerned family member to me. Do it you comes remember off the actual as, dialogue, though? Not exactly, but I remember the tone. Doesn't, like the doesn't, to- doesn't he curse at them at the end of the third episode? Like, stay the fuck out of Savannah or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Something along those lines. I I could be wrong about this, and we could look this up afterwards, and I could be completely wrong, but it's like, the guy on the radio comes off as more sinister than concerned family member. But they can fudge that. I mean, I agree with Yeah, they could fudge it. They could fudge it, you know. Yeah, and what what I'm about to say, I mean, this is also a good bit of speculation on my part. Um, This is just a guess for me, but when you were in Crawford you saw like all these posters on the wall and it's like one of them was like the photo of like the guy who was in charge who was like going crazy and making up all these rules i have a somewhat of a hunch that it's him that it's him it's like he somehow he like her clementine's parents were in crawford he took them with her and now he wants clementine because now he doesn't have crawford anymore so he can like sort of rebuild his society or whatever it was that he was building in crawford so that's, I mean, that's my guess. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I could be completely wrong about that, but that's that's how it came off to me. Just because it, I don't think that the radio guy is a family member. It just does not come off that do way. Do you me. think that it has anything to do? Remember, at the end of episode, was it two where there that woman was videotaping Clementine? Do you think those two things are connected, or I? You would think that, but I mean that that cliffhanger at the end of two was like so mishandled yeah. and like not really clear that I'm not really sure. Yeah, I just thought that some crazy woman who'd lost a daughter around the same age. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting theory. I mean, yeah. when is the next I mean, episode? It, oh, go ahead, Brad. I was going to say, I mean, I, that kind of makes sense in some ways because, you know, like it's going to be hard to make an episode without a big bad to go against. And, and you know, they've been building it up so much. I, I mean, that to me would be really disappointing and cliche. Like, I don't, I wouldn't want to see it mm-hmm. end that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I, I'm really hard pressed to think of a way it could end. But I think, I mean, I think there's some merit to what Richard's saying. I mean, like, you know, if this guy in Crawford was collecting able-bodied adults, maybe he took them by force. Maybe they're there, and he's like, you know, maybe he's got a second little encampment somewhere. I don't know. I don't know quite why he would want Clementine to come. It doesn't really make all that much sense. I mean, yeah, it, are, I is he had a standoff with their parents, and so he's trying to get her to be a bargaining chip or something. Who knows? But we'll see. We'll see. It's it's not entirely implausible, though. I I have one. I'm sorry, Dylan. No, go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. I have one question for you. Does does the the Crawford does the theory that the guy on the radio, if he's the Crawford guy, that that feels like something that would happen in the comics to me. It's like they would find like this like encampment of people that have like gone bad or something that's still left from Crawford. Like, it, it almost kind of sounds like the governor to me. Like, does that make sense to you? 
Yeah, I, yeah, that's kind of what I meant. Like, I could kind of see that happening, um, sort of. I mean, to me, but, it feels a little bit, like, out of the blue, considering how the rest of the episodes have gone. I mean, I kind of liked how it was kind of episode by episode, and they didn't exactly. have, like, this overall, exactly. like, yeah. big, big arc. Because I think in a lot of stories, that's where they fall flat, is they can manage the shorter arcs, but they, they, they trip up on the big one, so... I, I, I could see it happening, but I, I don't know if I'd be happy about it. Chief, if, what do you got if, there? Yeah, if um if episode five brings back Crawford or the ghost of Crawford in some way, it would be inconsistent with the rest of the series. Not that it's not possible, but yeah, as you said, every episode sort of breaks ties with the previous episode before, other than the characters that you bring with you. But um, but that's that's about it. So that doesn't sound consistent, but they could be flipping the expectations as well. And and just um, my overall comment on. Um, uh, your Brad, your 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 and Jeff's theory. It, it's it's a plausible theory, but yet at the same time, doesn't feel right as far as what the writers have been doing thus far. I would be. It would seem. I wouldn't say predictable, but just too too safe, too safe in some ways. And yeah, it may be like they're gonna try to reach, but I'll I'll have a little faith in the writers. I mean, they've done pretty well for four for four episodes, so. Who knows? I mean, they've they've kept like I said, I have no idea what's going to happen. I think that's a credit to the writers thus far. Last last question: Will you guys be disappointed if Lee somehow does not die in the last episode? <clears throat> yeah, that'd be a cop out. Yeah, I'd be really disappointed. Yeah, I think yeah. Clementine might kill him, or he has to shoot himself. I don't know. Yeah, if they Maybe were going to save him, he needed to chop his arm off like right yeah. fucking there, and he didn't do it, so he he needs to die. He has to die. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the final choice. Like, do you kill yourself, or do you get Clementine to do it, or someone else to do it? As long as it's not Kenny or fucking Ben, that's fine. Ben, it's Ben. <laughs> Ben's going to do it. <laughs> He'll redeem himself by killing you at the Can't end. Can't be for me. Right. Ben's dead, so... <laughs> uh, He'll come back from the dead and do it. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, this was a good conversation, you guys. I'd like to... Remind everybody. Does anybody have anything else they want to say before we sign off? All right. You can download us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review if you like us. You can download us directly from GameCritics.com. Um, leave us a comment. Send us some mail. For at podcast at GameCritics.com. Podcast at GameCritics.com. You can also like us on Facebook at GameCritics. Um, I've been Dylan Collins for Richard Nyack, Chi Kong Lu, Brad Galloway, Jeffrey Maloff, and the sex-traveling Mike Bracken. (laughs) Good night and game on.